T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Jeremy White and Sneaky Joe DiBiase. I have had Bill's brunch invites. Why is anybody calling it brunch? It's breakfast. Is it at brunch if you just have mimosas? Brunch doesn't start until at earliest 10. Is it more about the drink or is it more it's strictly about the time? I can't have a mimosa at 6 o'clock at night and say it's brunch. Breakfast is a Monday to Friday thing. Because, you know, you wait. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. We're eliminating. Yes. Now I can't even have breakfast on weekends? I think brunch might be beyond time now. There's a guy that had a salad in a movie theater. I don't know that you should be trusted. All sports, all the time. And apparently a little food talk, too. On WGR Sports Radio 550. I need to see first half highlights. I missed the first half of the Niners and the Lions. Yeah? Yeah. What were you doing? Putting children to bed. Mm. Oh wait, wait, that yeah, that's right. That would make sense. Yeah, putting children to bed. No, but it wasn't just that. Like it was going to mm. be a pause it and go back and watch it and catch up during halftime, and that'd be fine, right? Sure. But did you like open? The, did you put the TV on? Oh, and it yeah. was already in the third quarter, and you saw the score. By the well, an event happened at bed that made it really unlikely I was going to do the whole. All right, I'll catch up over time. Okay. It was, hey, we're doing bed, everyone's close to sleep, all right, here we go, and child sits up and there's projectile vomit. Okay, all right, <laughs> oh, this no. is going to be a delay. Oh, no. Yeah, so that, that turned into like, right, well, you know what, I'm probably not going to catch up. 24-7 Lions, let's go. Yeah. So if I'm, I'm watching the highlights here in the first half. Man, I'll tell yeah, you. They, they open touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, field goal. Like, they, they came out firing. Yeah, I can't believe people are so upset with Dan Campbell's fourth down call at the end of the half. Oh, wait, we're only doing the second half calls? Right. He kicked a field goal. No one's mad about that one, right? That was the right call to take the points, or was that the wrong call to take the points? Or what's, How do we do this? I saw a lot of people upset. Of course, everyone's upset. It's the talk of the country. Mm-hmm. The talk of football with Dan Campbell's fourth downs. Not that many pointing out that he did take the points in the first half. Mm-hmm. What would have happened if they had four more points? We're not. We don't do well, that one. Well, by the uh, the simple math, they would have won the game because they lost by three. Yes. So. Uh, interesting. Is anybody doing that with the simple math? I am doing uh, at the very least. Uh, went through their schedule and found three wins that they would not have had had they not gone for fourth downs and converted hmm. during the season. Which, by the way, they made the playoffs by three games. I don't. I didn't look. I didn't, look, I didn't go deep enough to look up tiebreakers and whatnot. <laughs> what would have happened had they lost all three of those games? But. Uh, it's possible they would have missed the playoffs had they not been the team that went for fourth downs all year long. Hmm. But, well, hey, it's going to be a long off season. Yep. I don't think. Man, good morning, cheat, and here's the Chiefs again. It's Jeremy and Joe. Good morning. 
I started to craft this, but I, I'm going to not tweet it because I think people would respond, Dallas. Is this the most annoying Super Bowl matchup possible? If you looked at the playoff field prior to the playoffs. Okay. Prior da- to the playoffs. Dallas is maybe the only answer here. The most annoying Super if Bowl. If you got Kansas City, Dallas, I think that might be worse. Okay. Is, is that a- it, though? I mean, the Eagles, I think, is annoying, but... There's no one else out of the AFC that would have been more annoying? No way. I mean, the Steelers would have been real annoying, but, like, come on, right? We, 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 we are, didn't really think that's possible. long into or beyond or whatever, the Chiefs being exhausting. Exhausting, annoying, horrible. Can I ask a question, though? Is there any dynasty ever that is likable? No. Or, like, no. where you don't get sick of them? The Warriors. That's the only one for me. For me, they got un. They, I, I didn't get sick of them. They got unlikable for me when Durant went there. Um, that didn't phase me. But right, and I know that didn't happen for a lot of people. And they were not like on Like I'm, I can't stand watching the Chiefs anymore. The Warriors, even when I hated them, I I would still want to watch them. They were unbelievable to watch. And the Chiefs are just well. The Chiefs have gotten that thing. It's part of being a dynasty, and you know you. Don't make mistakes. You're going to be good. Uh, They've entered the Patriots portion where everybody has brain freeze against them. Everything terrible just starts to happen. Oh, look at that. A fumble at the one-yard line. Meanwhile, the Chiefs did that to the Bills last week. But, oh, Zay Flowers is going to fumble into the end zone. Yes, that's right. Of course that's going to happen. And there's going to be penalty flags left and right. And a taunting call Mm -hmm. as Travis Kelsey laughs and fist pumps in the guy's face. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, great, great. The Ravens did seem more concerned at some point with just, like, putting, like, hitting the Chiefs in the helmet yeah. than, than with winning the game. Yeah, they did. Patrick Queen, I noticed for, for the whole fourth quarter, Patrick Queen was getting into stuff after the whistle. And I don't even know if he got flagged for it, but that's just kind of where the Ravens, I felt like they, they were mentally. Yeah. That, like, they couldn't believe they were about to lose that football game. Well, I hate watch that game. I mean, I had such a an undercurrent of... Like that, that if you could have heard mm-hmm. my brain for the entire game in the AFC Championship game, you would have just heard a, a grumble, a frown on my face. I hated watching it. I hated watching it, and I hate watched it both. I don't, I don't know what to make of it. What do I do with it? I see a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of. I feel better about the Bills, and I don't have any of that, and I don't know what that would be from. Why do you feel better about the Bills? What would make you feel worse about the Bills? Well, I guess the reason you would feel better is just, well, nobody can. It's not just that the Bills can't overcome the Chiefs. N- nobody But the reality is can. that lots of teams can overcome them. They just haven't. The Bills can. The Ravens can. The Ravens played a fine game yesterday other than crippling, horrid mistakes. They yeah. were generally fine. The Ravens made more stops than the Bills. The Ravens went up and down the field with explosive plays on the Chiefs a few times. I mean, what I looked at in that game was seeing the Ravens get explosive plays against the Chiefs and thinking, I'm so mad the Bills couldn't get any of those. You know, mm. you might look at it and make it about Lamar versus Josh if you want. I made it about the Baltimore Ravens got lots of explosive plays, and the Bills could not get a single one. Like, the idea that when you play the Chiefs, well, Josh Allen just took what was there the whole game and they couldn't get any explosive plays. Well, the Ravens did. Now, of course, some of the Bills were negated because they dropped the ball. Shorefield dropped two, Diggs dropped one, so maybe those are your three explosive plays. But how many how many of the Ravens plays though were while well, they were down by ten? 
like in the second half. I don't know. a bunch of them, like the Zay Flowers one where he takes the penalty before he ends up fumbling. Like that's when they're down ten. Like, I don't want to say the Chiefs were in prevent mode, but like where was it early? Because the Ravens started that game and they had did they have one good drive in the first half. Yeah, their first touchdown drive, they got an explosive play. But otherwise, they went three three and outs, didn't they? Or no, they went three and out, they had two three and outs, and they had a five-play drive and a, and a four-play drive that ended in a fumble. So, like, I, I think I needed more of it early on. Yeah. Like, they, they the, the story on Baltimore, I think, this morning is that their offensive coordinator panicked. Their running backs, they were the best rushing offense in the league, and the Chiefs were one of the worst rush defenses in the league. Their running backs had six carries. In the first half. Like, I think the story, I thought in the game. Was it just the first half? Okay, sorry, in the game. Um, But you might even be right. I don't have the box score in front of me. Like, I think a lot of the story this morning is that their offensive coordinator completely panicked in that game. They had, yeah, their running backs had six carries in the football game. Total. Like, they completely, and I'm not Mr. Run the Ball, but every play, like, they abandoned it. And maybe that's because the Chiefs were backing up, and they were saying, "You're down by ten. We don't think you're gonna you're gonna drive down on us a couple times." But the problem there would have been that the Ravens would have been right if Zay Flowers just tucked the ball at the one yard line and got them to first and goal at the one instead of feeling like he had to score there. Like that was a mistake by him. But I it, listen. History gets written by the team that ends up winning it. So, like this is four out of five for Mahomes. Like I, I think the. The satisfying factor, if there is any for a Bills fan, is that you can't you you feel like you're you've got friends here, right? We're all well, okay. you're all if in you... the same room and you're staring up at the Chiefs again, and it feels like here we go again, Tom Brady. I saw this morning that in the last twenty years there have only been six AFC quarterbacks that have made the Super Bowl. Like what the heck? Six AFC quarterbacks. I think the NFC it's like seventeen. Like well, where where is if, any parody? Okay, whatsoever. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the guy that's like I said. I was mad about the whole game. I'll I'll take the cynical view of that. Okay, you feel better because you're just with everybody else. Okay, then you're just like everybody else. You're not special. No, right. You're not. So, but but wait, hold, like, on, hold on, hold on. So nothing feeling, you can do that. Feeling better about the Bills involves just being any other team. You're just anybody else. There's them and not them. That's feeling better. Hey, there's other teams yeah. here with you. There aren't other teams. Two teams have beaten that team in the playoffs. The Bucks, who are gone with Tom Brady. Mm. And Joe Burrow did it. Like, what a Bengals Joe fans, Burrow did do it. What a Bengals fan sitting home think? Like, that's fine. We'll get back there. We'll take them out. They, we, probably, no, they probably feel better because they feel like they're, we're the only ones that right, are capable of this. Right. Yeah. And part of what makes me feel worse about the Bills, not their prospects, but just what has happened, is the Chiefs' dynasty here, four out of five, Two of them, they had to go through the Bills, and we don't we feel like the Bills might have let them off the hook? Like, the Bills are half responsible for half of these. Yeah, they well, are. Well, I shouldn't say that because 13 seconds, the Chiefs actually didn't even go to the Super Bowl. They, you would need the AFC Championship one for the, the first sure, one. Yeah. Sure, Well, they're well, not, they lost they're not responsible for that game. one. Could they be responsible for this one? Because Well, I mean, they could be. They, w- they were in the game. They, they lost the football game, right. right? They did. They did. And they were in position with the ball to potentially take a lead or whatever. Like I said. The they they, whole, the, the they whole, kicked, that game they kicked field goals to, the go, whole, to go down nine. Right, the whole like, situation just has me grumbling. I'm just I'm just I said to my wife, I'm like I'm so miserable about this game, this Ravens game. I wanted Baltimore to win. Now I got to hear for six months Lamar's not good. Turns out he's not that good. Lamar's not good. Okay, great. That'll be a good time. I hate it all. <laughs> Stupid Chiefs bothers me. What are we supposed to do with it? Wait, wait two weeks while Travis Kelsey says nobody believes in them. Kelsey, all right, man. 
Did he say it last night? I'm sure. Podium, I couldn't watch. Tracy it. Wolfson in the, the halftime, uh, not halftime, on-field post-game interview said the words to Patrick Mahomes. I heard that. You were told you couldn't win on the road. Who told him that? Not a soul alive told him that. We football fans in this grand world dreamed up a situation where perhaps he could play on the road. It'd be nice if he played on the road. He won those games. All right, cool. I still want him to play on the road next time and the time after that. You were told you can't win on the road. <laughs> By whom? Is it whom or who? Doesn't matter. Before 7 a.m. Might be matter. whom. Who told, who told Patrick Mahomes he couldn't win on the road? I've been leading that Patrick Mahomes needs to play on the road for like three years. Never yeah. once said he couldn't win. So here are the Chiefs being told they can't win. It is kind of wild. That makes it more annoying that they've actually they won two road games to get to the Super Bowl now. <laughs> that's right. That, made, that makes it tri- triply annoying that they're here and that's how they ended up doing it. I mean... I, I my thought on them making it immediately was I can't, like in my head in my hands like this was supposed to be the bad Chiefs yeah this was supposed to be the bad they scored a touchdown less per game I mean even yesterday I can't even say like well you know that them's the breaks because the Chiefs are just going to get their points right like I've said that for years about them like don't worry about how good you are on defense because you could be the best defense in football you go play Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs he's going to find his way to thirty five this year. That wasn't even true. Yeah. 17. They got there with 17? Come on. This cheat, they just happened. The one year they decided to have an elite defense happened to be the year that their offense was down. Perfect timing on that one. Holy cow. Aren't they next year going to have an elite defense and have an offense that's better probably? That's why I really got annoyed and depressed about them being in the Super Bowl was thinking about our conversation on Friday about how they have $75 million more in cap than the Bills do. I know they have a couple guys to sign, but either way, they're in great shape. Yeah. They can go pay T. Higgins if they want in the offseason, ch- and I like they're going to be better. They're going to be better next year, and it they're, they're in the Super Bowl right now. The Chiefs also, for what it's worth, I thought this was interesting in the second half of that game. Here are their possessions in the second half. Punt, 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 end of game. That was the Chiefs' second half. No, wait, you're, they didn't score any points in the second half? No. Come punt, on, punt, Ravens punt, fan. Punt, punt, end of game. And another thing about the Chiefs in their, that second half that I found super interesting. Their last touchdown was their second drive? That's right. Wow, I did not realize that. Their yeah. last touchdown, I was so mad watching it's the another, game, I didn't realize. let them off the hook. And here's Lamar and the Ravens, who I think are the better team. Yeah. They let them off the hook. The Ravens have to feel like they let them off the hook worse than the Bills. The Bills game-planned and, of course, had injuries on defense, and we can rehash that all we want. The Ravens played fine other than the turnovers. I, I made this uh, – I said this last week about the Bills. Like Although you, there were a lot of punts from the Ravens, too. What was it last week? The Bills had three drives after the final Chiefs points. Yeah. In this game, the, the Ravens, after the final Chiefs touchdown, had nine drives. Man. Terrible. Did they panic? Is running the ball six times panic? I mean, they were moving it in the second half, weren't they? Like well, they went th- on long. They they went on a couple of long drives there. I feel like you've got to make a decision. You either got to say they didn't run it enough, or but this was like an extreme. Well, I understand, version of but not running you enough. moments ago said down ten, the Chiefs are in prevent, which I don't or up ten, which I don't. Which, right, I don't even know. With. I don't even know if that's true. One right. thing about the second half that jumped out at me. As the Chiefs punted the ball, you want you know what you want to know why they punted every time in the second half because they ran the ball. 
The Chiefs were running the ball in the second half with no success, yep. and they were committed to running the ball, and they would go run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt. It was wild to watch it happen. Three plays, four yards, here it is. Pacheco, Pacheco, Mahomes incomplete, short right punt. They, they, the Chiefs got into, let's. they probably trusted their defense to close out the game, and they did. They had a great game plan against Lamar. They shut down the Ravens. The Ravens did shut down the Chiefs in this game, and it didn't matter, so... Ugh. And it's really the Zay Flowers fumbled at the one-yard line. Right. Zay Flowers Man. was cooking that team the whole game. He fumbles at the one. They lose by seven with two turnovers in the end zone. One, a Lamar throw, yep. which was an ill-advised throw, where Gene Steratore came on and told you a thing that happened didn't happen. That was a good time. And the fumble by Zay Flowers into the end zone. I missed that. I had the sound. Oh, yeah. I had the sound. Or not sound. I had people over so that were loud enough where I couldn't hear Gene Well, Saratore. there may have been a case for pass interference in the end zone as uh-huh. Isaiah Likely was kind of blocked out of the play. Uh, I'm not even really asking for a call there. Steratore said the foul happened after the interception. And then, of course, here's the replay as he's talking, and the foul is definitely happening before the interception. Mm-hmm. So it was a good time. It was a good time. Good when you get your rules analyst to come on and tell you that the thing you're seeing on the screen is not what actually happened. Here's what did happen. Thanks, Gene. Looking forward to you. Who's got the Super Bowl this year? Which which rules Ooh. official has the Super Bowl this year? Should I, should I know that? <laughs> I don't even know who what network has it this year. Is it NBC's turn? No, it's... Oh. Ready for this? Oh, yeah. Gene Steratore. All right. CBS. Gene Steratore working his whatever number Super Bowl yep. to come in a, th- uh, a thousand times. Good news for you, though. This year, there is an available uh, telecast on Nickelodeon. Great. Maybe there's no uh, is there no Gene on Nickelodeon? I'm sure there they, can't be Gene on Nickelodeon, they're, right? They bring somebody on. For the kids, please, don't put Gene on Snuff, Nickelodeon. Snuffleupagus will come on and tell you why you know it's grounding or something. Maybe he gets like slime dumped on him as he's making a terrible point about why the, a call went the way it did. Anyway, let us know how you're feeling. I'm feeling <laughs> bitter. Bitter and angry and... Blah. I was mad about... Everything that happened yesterday. Everything. Be- beginning to end. Yeah. I was just not not happy about... I mean, I was already in a bad mood, I guess, after the Chiefs won that game. So maybe there was nothing that would have made me feel good enough after that that I had to watch them in the Super Bowl again. I mean, at least I got someone to root against, I guess, now. If the Ravens have been in it, it's been, oh, okay, cool, good game, I'll, I'll watch it, I'll probably enjoy it. Uh, I'm sure I will. Great football game. Chiefs now, it's like, I need I need them to lose. Yeah. I need them to lose. Let's get some calls in, 803-0550. This used to be Buffalo Bills Football Monday. Now it's grumbly. I'm going with grumbly championship Monday. I don't know, whatever. Bitter. The Chiefs defense. They went out and got an elite defense. There are bigger points to be made here about like how the Bills and Chiefs went to 13 seconds, and in that time, mm-hmm. the Chiefs traded their best receiver in the, in, in, in the interest of building a stud defense, and they did it. Yeah, and they did it. They got their cap situation in really good shape, and they built a stud defense. And they, they all these stud uh, corners and whatnot. They drafted those guys and hit on them, right? And they did it with Mahomes on his big contract. Yep, they they, they did it. Paul and Akron. Hey, Paul. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Go Forty Niners. That's yeah, all I yeah. can say. Watching the game yesterday, like maybe I don't understand the intentional grounding rule. I was kind of upset when, I think it was in the second quarter, mm-hmm. when there was a free runner, came right, nobody even blocked him, right at Patrick Mahomes. He took three steps drop and just threw, to, he wasn't out of the pocket because he went straight backwards. There was a receiver within five yards. Now, 
Is that why it wasn't intentional grounding? I mean, yes. nobody, not even Gene Sterator, had to come on and tell you why it wasn't intentional grounding. But I thought it was, in, in my mind, but maybe I'm wrong about how it works. I mean, he took three steps back. He was getting rid of the ball to avoid a sack. I thought that was intentional grounding. So yeah. I, maybe you guys could take a look at it and then just comment on the air about I, what you thought. There, there was one play where I thought, I'm not. It's probably the same play. I remember this play when too. he threw yeah. it away. I thought, well, that's got to be grounding. He threw and it off to the right, like yeah. a receiver was kind of in the middle of the field, and he went to the right where there nobody nobody was there. Yeah, and there was a guy chasing him down right away. Yep. By the way, it's also worth pointing out that Lamar Jackson just had like a brain fart and threw the worst interception of all time with seven minutes to go. They just showed it on uh, the Sports Center highlights. Like, throwing it into triple coverage to Isaiah Likely. Yeah, not a good idea. Like another one where like the Ravens are moving the ball down the field and he just like he's playing Madden. He hit the wrong button by accident and he threw it to a guy that was triple covered. I don't know what Likely's doing by the way, calling for the football. That's wild too. That's probably why Lamar threw it to him, right? Like his receiver put his arm in the air, like oh that guy must be open. Throws as the ball's in the air, there are three Chiefs just waiting there for it. And then that was that the one you just referenced about Gene Steratore. Like saying that's the one, yeah. The, he got he got hit. That's the foul okay. happened after the interception. Okay, I didn't hear that happen, but I had people in the room that were like asking, "What are you talking about?" To, to Gene Steratore. That's the so one. That was the one that I guess. Yep. Yep. Mahomes, two forty one on a touchdown. Just looking at the defending champs to reach the Super Bowl. They're looking to be the first back-to-back champs since the Patriots in 2004-2005. Here's a fun question for you. Only three quarterbacks have made the Super Bowl in the last 10 years for the AFC. It's only in the last th- I said it was 6 in the last 20. It's 3 in the last 10. It's, it's only Brady Mahomes. It's Brady Mahomes and Burrow. And Burrow with one and the rest of them are Brady and Mahomes. Yeah. That makes it more annoying. Every year I've got to watch one of those two in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I can't I can't get a, a fresh-looking matchup anytime. Well, this is one spot where I am conflicted because the person that's probably the most upset about Patrick Mahomes potentially winning a lot of Super Bowls is Tom Brady, and I should wrap <laughs> myself in that blanket because yeah. that'll make me feel better. It's the only, yeah, it's the only uh, angle you could take. I, I was ready for this as uh, something to get into today, and maybe we will. We'll get another call here. Over under, if Reed and Mahomes stay together as long as Brady and Belichick did, how many Super Bowls? Hmm. Eight. It'll be more. I I would. They, uh, if, they, they'll go to or win. Win. I mean, go to. I would already man. put them at more. I mean, winning. That's a lot. Even still, like I know so they're about to go to their fourth. Yeah, right? you go. got them. But to, they got to win the game. I mean, they still got to win six more. <laughs> that's I mean, that's that's a task. No, the two, Brady and Belichick won six together. So, sorry, right? Brady and won seven. That's Mahomes right. and Reed already have two. Yeah, this would be three. Three. They've been together how many years? Although, to be Bra- fair, Be- Belichick and Brady won three in their first four years together, didn't they? Okay, and then they were together for... And then they went seven years without one. I'm just, I'm just pointing out, like... We oh, probably, okay, I'm asking probably you... probably would have been... I, I might at, say no. I might say I'm no. asking you. You give Mahomes and Reed the same number of years. You wouldn't put them over six? I definitely would. Definitely. I might be around six. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for this drought they're about to go through. We need I'm, just, I'm just saying, like at some point, that probably was said about the Patriots, wasn't it? They won three out of four, and didn't people think that they were about to win ten? And then they went seven years before winning the next one. Maybe I feel like well, actually d- might have been longer than that. Well, how long did they go between their third? How long did the did Brady and Belichick go between their third and fourth Super Bowls? Wasn't it like a decade that they went? 
Because they lost two to the Giants. Yep. And their one next them, one came against the Falcons. One of those is a perfect season. They beat the Falcons. That's what I mean. Was that the next Super Bowl they won after they won in it was a ten year it was a ten year gap. They went ten years in between right. without winning a Super Bowl. Do you want to put a bet on the bet board right now? Will Reed and Mahomes have a ten year drought? I mean they won't Andy Reed will probably retire before that. I wouldn't bet them would have a ten year drought. No way. I guess the difference is there. You know, Brady wasn't putting up Mahomes' production in those first three Super Bowls, right? Like, Mahomes is playing at a higher level than Brady was until Brady got to, like, his 30s. Right. And the second part of it is Brady constantly had change in their offense because they were a defensive-led team yeah. with, with Belichick. And here the Chiefs, Reed and Mahomes are, you know, together forever. Yeah. Unless, unless Reed retires Re- this Re- year, which is right. something Adam Schefter did speculate. That's that's really actually where it hurts Mahomes, right? That he he began with Reed when Reed was already like such an established veteran coach. Had they had, had, the, had their timelines matched up where Reed was like a young hot coordinator getting the job as Mahomes became his quarterback, I mean, I then then I would feel especially more comfortable doing it saying that he'd win more than 6. 8030550. Larry will get you on the other side if you can stick with us, please do. We're just up against it right now. Grumble with us. Be mad with us. Grumble Monday. Grumble Monday. Also got to get the Dan Campbell. I know, right? There's going to be a lot of yelling about fourth downs. Well, the, the the Lions just had themselves a Ken Dorsey game, huh? Like, bunch of drops, yep. bunch of mistakes, and blame the coach. Dorsey got a job. Joe Brady. He did, yeah. Joe Brady's the Bills' offensive coordinator. Ken Dorsey's the Browns' offensive coordinator. I think he could work really well there. I'll explain why. Um, the Bills' defensive coordinator decision is interesting, to say the least. What they're going to do. They're interviewing guys. Yeah. Yep. yeah. The question is, will they give anybody play-calling duties? That's the million-dollar question about the Bills and defensive coordinator. Because if McDermott doesn't want to give that up, he severely limits the caliber of candidate that he can get because he'll just be the defensive coordinator again. 803 Jeremy and Joe on a Monday. We're grumbling. We'll try to have some fun along the way. I'm sure we will on WGR. Mahomes to throw against a four-man rush. Fires it near side to Kelty. Comes back to the ball and holds it in. Touchdown, Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes absolutely took duct tape and just wrapped the ball around the waist of Travis Kelsey for a 19-yard touchdown. Opening touchdown for the Chiefs. That one on Kyle Hamilton. Pretty, yeah, pretty, well good, one. pretty good player. Yeah. And Mahomes and Kelsey do it again. Kelsey is now the number one pass catcher in postseason history. He passed Jerry Rice in the first half, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they threw to Kelsey all day. Yeah, don't I know it? I had the uh, I had the under 61. On, on his yards? Uh-huh. That went away pretty quick. He, he had it, I think, at like the 10-minute mark of the second quarter. He he had it. 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. <laughs> I had already lost. 803-0550. Boy, the Chiefs-Ravens game, three touchdowns in the first four possessions, and then that was it. 16 possessions after that without a touchdown from those two teams. Defense, the order of the day for those two. And, you know, it's funny. Like, we, we the Chiefs are back there again. So there's, like, this this feeling that they're inevitable or unbeatable. They are very beatable. And yet AFC teams just 
aren't beating him in the postseason, whether that's coaching, which I think it's a lot of it, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnolo, both great coaching jobs. They beat Baltimore 17-10. to Jeremy and Joe taking your calls on it if you want, 803-0550. We've yet to dip into the Dan Campbell and fourth down discourse because, well, <laughs> got spicy last night. Dan Campbell had all the right answers in his postgame presser. We'll, we'll play some of his uh, mm-hmm. his postgame stuff. It was great. He was great. I find it impossible not to root for him. I feel like uh, he's, good, he's a real good coach. He's about to lose his offensive coordinator, which stings. Yep. Because yep. ben, ben Johnson, even in a loss, called a great game for them. The Lions, the Lions got the drops he's like the Bills did against the Chiefs. I mean, Jamison Williams drop in the end zone. Josh Reynolds, two massive drops that led directly to punts. Mm-hmm. Or turnovers. Rough for the Lions to lose that game. Really rough. Do you know who's uh, likely to re- replace Ben Johnson, by the way? Did you see him? I think they showed him on the on the telecast yesterday. I did not. I did not realize, or maybe I'd seen it and just forgotten, that Mark Brunel is their quarterback coach. Okay. And who is uh, Antoine Randall is the receivers coach. Just like former players are just all over their coaching staff. So Brunel might be the next guy that's in charge of that offense. We've got Sal coming up at 8. Eric Washington leaves the Bills to be defensive coordinator in Chicago. I saw reports he will not be calling plays, though. Mm -hmm. So he'll go with uh, Matt Eberflus in Chicago. The Bills elevate Joe Brady permanently law offensive coordinator. and uh, They didn't really have much of a search. No, that's right. That's right. And we'll see what they do with defensive coordinator. The, The favorite is Bobby Babich, but he's been interviewed by other teams as well. And if the Bills are unwilling to give play-calling duties, then they're going to have a tough time keeping coaches, is what I would say. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll talk about it with Sal at 8 o'clock. More of your calls, 803-0550. Larry in South Florida. Good morning, Larry. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. So that vaunted Chiefs defense, if I recall, we moved the ball on them. We scored a lot in the first – well, not a lot, but enough in the first half to have a 17-13 lead at the end of the half. We only scored one more touchdown. But they can be scored on. You know, unfortunately, we didn't when it mattered. We had the ball in the 27, two-minute warning. And I still think big mistake, like you said, to kick that field goal because, you know, they had a minute 48 left and two timeouts. It's useless. I would have just taken a couple short passes over the middle, killed the clock a little bit more, and I wouldn't even have kicked the field goal because we know our record in overtime. I would have gone for the kill shot late in the game. But that was a week ago, so we got to move on. So I'm hoping that since – I guess the report was that McDermott reports directly to the ownership, as does Bean. So, like you said, Bean probably doesn't have the authority to get rid of him. I, I, you guys know I've been calling for months. I don't want him here anymore, but that's not going to change anything, especially if he won't give up play-calling duties to the defensive coordinator. I, I just think there's a control issue there, and that makes me a bit nervous with the guy. But I'm hoping that those two watch that game intently, watch Zay Flowers, and I hope they came away with – three things wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver and there's two that i want i would do what i would have to do because you were going to probably lose both our safeties and have a a little bit of cap freedom you're going to probably rework allen's contract figure out a way to rework von miller's contract or get rid of them somehow free up some money i would spend the money on t higgins um digs is still your number one higgins would be your number two we put Shakir in the slot, and my number one pick, the best receiver available. I want a big, fast guy, and that would replace our Gabe Davis. And hopefully this guy doesn't drop a ball every week or fumble every week. So that's where I'm headed. After that, rebuild the defense. But I want Higgins, 
and the number one receiver, maybe even in the first round or maybe even in the second round. After that, all your other picks, defensive line, safety, cornerback, linebacker, linebacker, linebacker. Do what you need to do. So that's where I'm at. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Thanks, Larry. There's a lot of different ways to put together the wide receiver puzzle. Everyone's going to have their own favorite puzzle. Mine does not include a big free agent signing. That's not the way I would put it together. and I, I, don't, yeah. think, I don't think the Bills can either. I mean, Higgins is like a $20 million guy, and they, you know, the salary cap isn't real, finger quotes, they say. The number one place that it's real is when it comes to the free agent market. What, what can you give? How much can you restructure? How much space can you have? Mm. You know, salaries would go for receivers to $45 million if there were no cap. But there is a cap, and teams have to keep it in. And if the Bills were the only team available, could they put together the room and move things around and get even more aggressive? Sure. In that spot, the salary cap is maybe not real. But for T. Higgins, my guess is he's just going to go get paid somewhere big time. And if I'm the Bills, I mean – Larry, you know, you mentioned Zay Flowers. That's a rookie that came in and produced. Why, right. do, I, why do I need to spend all the money? The best wide receiver on both of those teams yesterday was a rookie. Like Rashi Rice. Rice didn't do a ton, but he led them, well, at least above the receivers. He had eight catches on the day, and Flowers had those giant plays for the Ravens. You know, he yep. made the mistake on the goal line, but other like those were the two receivers in the game that were the most productive. And do the by other, far. do the other championship game. Those are drafted guys. Amonra St. Brown, drafted. Jamison Williams, two drafted. touchdowns. Yep. yep, first round pick. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, draft yeah. pick, draft pick. Yeah. These are all guys that were taken in the first, second. I think Amonra St. Brown was a fourth round pick, maybe. But Ayuk. Yeah, right. Right? Like these these guys were, were drafted relatively high. I think Ayuk was a second round pick. The be- the only, uh, what was the, the big free agent, uh, you know, play of the game would have been uh, Valdez Scantling on the final oh, play. First. Sorry, Ayuk was a first. Ike was the first. Ike's the first. first, right? Debo's the second, then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he that he went in the second with like Metcalf and AJ Brown. Jameson Williams yeah. first. Yep. Yep. Flowers first. Rice second. St. Brown was I mean, the Rashad only one. Bateman was in top two. Rashad Bateman first. Yeah. Beckham first. Even though he didn't have a big impact. What the Bills need is they need to draft receivers so they can have five years for cheap, and not be talking about how they're going to rework everybody. So. My favorite idea for the Bills will involve drafting one in the first round and probably one in the second or the third round. And when, yep. when we talk about the puzzle, how to put it together, like over the weekend, you know, I read a little bit about what retweet and highlights of this guy or this guy. And I saw, I forget who it was, somebody wrote like, oh, that's a nice player, but he's a little bit too much like Diggs. I think they're going to want somebody who's better with contested catches. And it's important not to get crossed up on what contested catches actually are. Stephon Diggs, his entire NFL career, has been an elite contested catch receiver. Elite. And the best in the league at contested catches, if you go down the list, it is not a bunch of Mike Evans, tall mm-hmm. guys. It's consistently regular players, smaller mm-hmm. guys. Devonta Smith is a great contested catch guy. Mm-hmm. How big is he? <laughs> he's got he's got like the smallest arms in the league. Yep. Yeah. It's it's it if you're talking about fifty fifty balls, that's where I'm gonna say no thanks. I got a quarterback that doesn't throw 50-50 balls. He throws laser beams to guys that are open, and I need guys that can get open. I need guys that are so good that defenses play them differently. And a 50-50 catch guy, how's that guy get played differently if he's covered all the time? All right, we'll cover him there. And if you want to throw your 50-50 balls, that's fine. Um, But whatever. Like I said, there's a million different puzzle pieces and ways to put it together. If they signed T. Higgins, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm mad about it. 
I just wouldn't get my hopes up on any sort of big money receiver. We had this, I had this also over the weekend about Michael Pittman. Pro Football Focus put him as a potential spot for the Bills, and it's $23 million a year. His, yep. his spot track market value. I would prepare for no receivers in free agency outside of hopefully another Emmanuel Sanders, which was one year $6 million when they did it back then. So thanks for, uh, thanks for the call, Larry. I'm with you, of course. I want to just temper expectations on the idea they can sign a big money receiver. I don't think they can do it. And the Chiefs are maybe going to draft one and sign one. So like, if you want two you know, to, to match what they do, if, if that's what they do. I mean, they don't have really many needs on defense other than they got to pay Chris Jones. So they might want to do that. If they don't, they'd probably be in the defensive line market. But they're they're gonna they're gonna go get two receivers this off season for sure. Yep. But around Ray, Rishi Rice and they, I mean the the Bills have their holes right safety and defensive line. I mean a little bit of that maybe more defensive line because what like they missed on Boogie Basham maybe are like you miss a couple of picks here and there defensively. Meanwhile the Chiefs I'm like looking at their draft history like how did they. How did they get to the Super Bowl this year? I mean, they built the elite defense after trading Tyreek Hill, and they just didn't miss. They didn't miss. I mean, Willie Gay Jr. in the second round starts. McDuffie, Sneed is a draft pick. Nick Bolton in the second round. Brian Cook in the second round starts for them at safety. Karloftis, who made a big play yesterday to get Lamar Jackson. Like every time they make they they've swung at defense in the last like three drafts. They they've hit to different degrees. And then they mix in, you know, your Pachecos later. And, like, draft-wise in the last couple of years, like, maybe that's where the Chiefs deserve the most credit for why they're back here, is they were able to trade Tyreek Hill and get to back-to-back Super Bowls. And, you know, different reasons maybe last year versus this year. This year, a lot of it is their defense was so good, and the whole thing was pretty much just drafted and developed. 803-0550 to Mo in New Jersey. Hey, Mo. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good, Mo. Um, this is, I mean, that little segue was actually kind of perfect as to why I called. I was actually calling to talk about McDermott, but let's say I can lump, you know, Bean into this now. I, I mean, I love these guys. They definitely transformed the culture of this, this, this team, and they made it what it is, right? But I really wanted to call last week towards the end of the week, but I just didn't get a chance. I wanted to know if there was an outcome of this game that, could have impacted what you think of the job McDermott does. Meaning, like, let's just say the Ravens did win, and obviously they did it. But if they beat the Chiefs, which we couldn't do on our own home turf, would that have maybe you, you would have lost some more confidence in the job that McDermott has done? And being, because let's be honest, because he has hit on some draft picks, but not all of them, right? There's, there's a handful of picks that we can go down and say, miss, 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 miss. And with the way our salary cap is going forward, we can't afford to miss on these draft picks. And the coaching, I just, I think it needs to be better in general. Like our defense has just let us down in the biggest situations, and this is what you know McDermott is known for. And during the regular season, he's a great coach, but in these the biggest moments, I just feel it's failed us, right? And I can't help but get over it. And now, like we just can't beat this guy Mahomes. Like we're looking at Tom Brady and Bill Belichick 2.0 in the face, and we have the guy who can compete with them. We just can't get over that hump. So the question is, like, do we feel any different about McDermott? 
Yes. Now, I mean, obviously, the, the Chiefs won. Give them all the credit in the world mm-hmm. because I did not think they were beating the Ravens. So, you know what? Maybe maybe that gives me more confidence because we, we I think we put up a better fight against the Chiefs than the Ravens. And the Ravens looked so bad yesterday. What if I told I mean, you on that? I mean, careful. The Ravens forced five punts of the Chiefs. The Bills didn't force, well, they forced one. Yeah. The Ravens' yards per play was considerably better than the Bills against the Chiefs. Like, what the Ravens had was colossal mistakes. A fumble at the goal line, an interception in the end zone, but they moved the ball on the Chiefs better than the Bills did, and they stopped them a bunch of times. So, I mean, if you're, you're asking me if I think that the Bills looked better against the Chiefs than the Ravens did, I'm not so sure I agree. I mean, the Ravens looked lost because of the killer mistake. If Zay Flowers doesn't fumble into the end zone, mm. we're looking at 17-17, tie game. I mean, the Bills, the Bills played a game. Here's another way to put it. Again, the injuries are a very important part here. But how many, how many drives did the Chiefs have in the Bills game? Was it eight? The Bills had eight drives. I think, Chiefs, it, was, I think it was the same for the Chiefs. Okay, Chiefs had yeah. eight drives. In the Baltimore game, the Chiefs had one, two, three, four, five, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten drives. Two more possessions. Mm. So, like, when the Bills played that game, they played to limit Mahomes' possessions, and he put right. up 27. Right. The Ravens played, let's play some football, didn't run it enough, gave Mahomes 10 drives, and he put up 17. So, no, nah, I don't really think the Bills had a better plan or played better. A lot of it's the, be, a the, lot a lot of it's injury based. So you didn't get the full healthy Bills defense. So yeah, that's that's a big difference. For because sure. the Ravens defense is legitimate was legitimately better. That's right. Than, than the Bills were. That's right. So what does that make me feel about McDermott? I, I don't really have anything. What I've got on McDermott is I've got a guy that got smoked in this last game. Maybe it's because of injuries. But in three postseason games against Mahomes, some of those they've been hurt, some of those they haven't been hurt. They haven't sacked him one time. And I'm not even sure the Ravens got to him either because they didn't have any answers for a lot of that game. No, no they sacked they, him. They would get, they got him a couple times they, in the they, second they half. They sacked him twice for 11-yard losses. Yeah. And they forced five second-half punts. So they have a healthy defense. The Ravens, it really just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough early, right? Like, they, they had what until the third quarter. Was it even the fourth quarter? Like the big Zay Flowers bomb that came, yeah, in the, in the in the last minute of the third quarter. They went into the last minute of the third quarter with one drive, like one real drive at that point. So many punts. They had the one fumble on, you know, their their. It was like a four play drive. It was Jackson when he got when he got hit from behind yeah. by Carl Loftus. But you know, like. I guess at the end of the day, like the the yards per play looks like, and the explosive plays were there from the Ravens. That that that's a huge thing. The Bills talked about it a lot, but the Bills at least had like some sustainability with their drives. The Ravens' offense just didn't show up until the game was already a ten point game. Well, I mean sustainability. What I don't want to I don't want to like I don't I didn't love the Bills' game plan, so like I don't want to give them too much. They credit definitely for it, did but, what they set out to do, which was keep the ball. And keep the Bills had five ten play drives, but like the Ravens after their second drive went for a touchdown. They had a fumble on their fourth play. Then they went punt, 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 punt. Yeah, like I I think I need I needed more from that offense because that offense has been good all year. Has been great all year long. I I knew I thought I was pretty sure their defense was going to look like that against Mahomes. I think the the 
my big issue with the Ravens is that it took them till basically the fourth quarter to really start moving the ball consistently. Well, the Bills' offense and the Ravens' defense beats the Chiefs. I think is what we're looking yes. at. Yes. Even though the Ravens' offense had a better yards per play. The Chiefs' yeah. yards per play against Baltimore was 4.4. Against the Bills, that was 7.7 7 yards yeah. yards per play. I mean, what did they really do well yesterday offensively? Like, Not much. Kelsey had a good first half, and that was like and it. Mahomes scrambled. Mahomes scrambled. The one where he got away and threw like a lob ball to Kelsey for a diving catch. And at that point, it's just like they're going to, they're just, of course, they're going to win this game, huh? 803 We're grumbling on a Monday. Sal's joining us at uh, 8. We'll get into the Bills' coaching decisions, what's going to happen to defensive coordinator, and uh, Joe Brady getting the job full time. I've got a, I've got a idea for you for Joe Brady. We'll get to the top of the hour. You can give us a call. Happy Monday. It's a dreary. Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl Monday, and we're just, you know, ugh, stinks. We still haven't gotten to Dan Campbell. Who wants to yell about Dan Campbell? I'm ready. Give us a phone call. I want to yell about uh, the Niners at come, some point, Come too. yell about Dan Campbell with us if, you, if that's your speed. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Purdy is under center. They give it to Christian off the right side. Cutback. Touchdown! Niners win, Chiefs win, we're late. David, John, right to us when we get back. Jeremy and Joe, sorry about that. Ben Johnson now can get his job. Also mm-hmm. interviewing today is uh, Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, maybe for the Commanders as well. Commanders have two real nice candidates to choose from, having waited this long. Travis Kelsey breaks the record for postseason receptions in 21 games. Yeah. He, and Jerry Rice did it in 29 games. So Kelsey not only has Rice's record, he has it, well, he has the record in fewer games. Jeremy and Joe, I want to talk to you about Joe Brady's job and what his job is. Because the way I want to say it, Joe, is, uh, well, you might say I'm asking a lot, but I feel like that's what we have to ask of Joe Brady. Yep. I'll get to that next on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
And I just felt really good about us converting, getting our momentum, and not letting them play long ball. You know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. And I wanted to get the upper hand back. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, but I don't regret those decisions. It's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. But it just didn't work out. Lions coach Dan Campbell, they blew a 17-point halftime lead. They fall. He's, uh, of course, getting a lot of heat for some fourth-down decision-making. Passed up a pair of long field goals. They were not chip shots. They were long field goals mm-hmm. for fourth and shorts. I mean, fourth and two and fourth and three. And they did not get those. The worst play call of the Lions game was not a fourth down call. It was the third down run play yeah, that man. they went for. The Lions run it on third down inside two minutes and have to spend a timeout to get to their fourth down call late in yeah. that game if you weren't watching. And because of that, they needed an onside kick, yeah. something that – had not been true until they and, ran the ball on third down. And, man, even if you, like, okay, so the third down run, you should have never ran it in the first place. If you're going to run it, there was a minute, like a minute two left on the clock. And we were saying out loud, like, if if you're going to run it there, you got to have another play ready to go to run to the line of scrimmage and then call the fourth down because you cannot, you can't end that drive with less than three timeouts. Like, no matter what. Even right, if they're, right. you would rather... Have the t- you would rather have 40 seconds on the clock if it took you 20 seconds to get the fourth down play than with three timeouts than one minute with two timeouts. Like just there's no circumstance where you can't have three timeouts there. Yep. But right the, the fir- in the first place you should have never run it on third down. It's worth mentioning that to have three timeouts with a minute left is an accomplishment. Yeah. You saved them. You earned that. And then to have burned that was terrible. One other quick game management thing, and then I've got some Joe Brady stuff and a quote from Kurt Warner on Josh Allen I want to share as well. One more piece of game management that was brilliant, mm-hmm. the Ravens' intentional offside on first and five. Oh, I was so happy. I wanted them to win so bad after that happened. Of yeah. course that was a smart decision. They got flagged for a personal foul. It was still a good idea. I think actually that made it – I I thought I saw someone say this, but I didn't know if they were actually correct. That they did the, they tried to get the personal foul on purpose because you can't decline a personal foul, I guess. And had, and the Chiefs could have declined an offside, is what I mean. So if they had just gone offside and touched the guy, then maybe Reed figures out what they're doing and says, no, 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 I want first and five. I'm going right. to decline it. But because it's a personal foul, then he can't decline it. Again, I don't know if that's true, but I saw someone say that. Yeah, maybe you. I don't know if you can't decline it so much as you're less inclined to. Either okay, way, yeah. the Ravens taking a penalty on purpose was very smart. Yeah. Very, very smart on a first and They're five. usually up with stuff like that. Yep. They were the team that got that rule change where they just tackled everybody on a punt to uh, to run the clock out. I to, like it. With 10 personal foul penalties. Too bad they lost. 803-0550. Okay. You want the Joe Brady thing first or the Josh Allen thing first? What's the uh, What's the Joe Brady thing? His job is to do what? I'm going to give you a a bar. Here's my bar I'm setting. It's a high bar. Joe Brady, welcome to the job. Your job's to be as good as Andy Reid. Good luck. I think that's your job. You have to be that good. It's a, it's a high it's a high bar. Yep. You have to be that good. You have Josh Allen. He has Patrick Mahomes. Reed and Mahomes have been to four Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. You have Josh Allen. 
if Allen is going to be a half a tick off Mahomes, and we're just going to accept that he's just a little bit below Mahomes, you can argue about that all you want, mm-hmm. then I need my offensive coordinator to be as good as that guy is. Where are the Bills losing? The Bills are losing in the margins here, very, very small margins. And I need my offensive coordinator to be as good as Andy Reid. And if you're not, you're not doing enough. And like, I'm not saying he's got six games to do that, yeah. but the standard for offensive coordinator with Josh Allen needs to be insanely high. Yeah, You need to have a top-five offense in this league, and if you don't, somebody else needs to take that job. Mm-hmm. So draft him some talent, get an identity, find a way to be an offense that's not just, uh, we'll figure it out, Josh is going to do something crazy, it'll work out, right? Find a way, be as good as Andy Reid, whether that's getting an identity, yeah. you want to make it about motion, you want to make it about balance, play action, I don't care what it is. But your job is to be one of the best. This goes to, this is a little bit reminds me of a conversation that did everybody or a lot of people have the exact same discussion if you're watching the games with friends yesterday of what would Josh Allen be on the Chiefs? How many Super Bowls would they have won? How many Super Bowls would they be in had you just replaced the two quarterbacks? What would play jo- the hypothetical game. What would Josh Allen look like with the Lions? What would he look like with the Niners? Mm-hmm. What would he look like with the Ravens? Well, because my answer on that was, well, at least for the Kansas City one, like, oh, he would have made the Super Bowl. He absolutely would have made the Super Bowl. And that, and it may, maybe one would have won two. I don't know. But I would absolutely believe that he would have more success on that team than he's had here. And why is that happening? I mean, Reed is the obvious landing spot for that, right? Every year. I think this is true. Did Dable ever equal that? Did he ever close that gap? He closed the gap. Did he ever meet it? Where like he at one point was as good a play caller for the Bills as Andy Reid was for the Chiefs. I mean, it looked like that in the thirteen second game, right? Yeah, yeah. So like that, that that's why that's kind of always going to be the name also that's associated with whoever the Bills' offensive coordinator is. It's it's Reid and it's it's Dable, right? Like someone's got to give me what Dable gave me because Dable was either as good as Andy Reid or it was a, it was a marginal difference. Like he had them cooking on offense to the same degree that the Chiefs were. And we've not, when you've tasted that, when you've had that, then okay, yeah, Ken Dorsey might have been pretty good at his job, but when he was the 7th or 8th best offense, that's not good enough. Yep. Because th- their guy doesn't leave. Their guy is always there. So yeah, that's that's not an unfair bar. That's where it needs to be for Joe Brady. And I need him to get receivers that he wants because that's been his forte up until getting to Buffalo. And I want to believe that that's where he'll he'll close that gap, where he could be – like, I have no problem at all. Like, oh, they're just going to make him the coordinator, no search really whatsoever. Like, no problem at all. This guy before Buffalo has had passing offenses that have thrived or at least maximized their potential. And – I need that to happen here, but I need him to have wide receivers to be able to do it. Eight oh three oh five fifty. On that, David and Wilson is called in. David, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Good. Good morning. Good morning. Yep. Um, I'm just calling in because I, I think this is the year that we need to make a move up in the draft for a wide receiver. Trade our first round pick next year and try to get to either like the Giants spot at six or the Bears spot at nine and make a move for one of those top three guys. 
I doubt Marvin Harrison Jr. will still be there, but hopefully like either Malik Nabbers or Ro Madunze will can still be there and we can hopefully make a move up for one of those guys. And the way that their contract would work, I think it'd actually work out well to where like when Diggs' contract is done they could be there to be able to give them that big contract that the receivers have been getting because I agree with you guys. There's no way we can afford anybody that's going to be to the level we want in free agency. So, so you, I also have a quick – Sorry, sorry so you want to make the Watkins trade, right? Pretty no, much. Well, wait, wait. The Watkins trade was a first-round pick to move up five spots. But, this, that, but what yeah. he wants to do is move, trade his next first-round oh, pick to move up I know. however many spots you can get up with that, right? Yeah, right. I mean, he's talking yeah. 20 spots. Yeah, which is going to be yeah. more than a first. Yeah, I, I, it'd be quite a bit. I mean, but it, to me, I feel like just we're not going to get. You have to hope those three guys, man. It seems like if there's any other year, one of those three guys are going to be the first receiver off the board quick. Where it's like this is like a very deep wide receiver draft, but even very talented at the high end. So if we can make that move, that'd be great. If we get one at twenty eight, I'd be happy with that too. I also have a question too about cap. I've always been curious about, and that's with the dead money. And how does dead money work with a player you have currently under contract? Does that dead money fall underneath their salary? And like, does it still go against the cap? Like, do you have their cap hit and their dead money hit, or does it kind of combine together so you can save money? Because if that's the case, like next year we have Daquan Jones, Leonard Floyd, and Michael Hyde. It's like ten million, eleven million right there, all in dead money. Where if we get them back, does that fall into their contract? And can we save money that way, cap wise? And it kind of be like a good deal in a sense. You know what I mean? Well, those three guys you mentioned, Floyd and Hyde, they don't have any dead money. They're just UFAs. Well, because um, you know how we do like the future contracts, and they kind of spread money out. Because Bean's been doing that a lot, where he's been pushing money down That's, the road. Yeah. Like, if you look on, if you look on SportTrack, you can see that there's negative cap hits for yep. those guys going into next season. So I wasn't sure if that's just going to be a dead money thing, and it is what it is. And then whatever contract you give them, that counts too, or could that combine to their contract? So I think I think what you're looking at, like if you pull up Daquan Jones' spot track page right now, there's a void year on there that's yeah. just 1.8 million dollars that just gets voided. Yep. So you don't have to worry about. There's that. no there's no dead money on those. Dead, dead money. money if you're going on spot track and looking at dead cap, that's the number you would pay if you cut the player. Like Von Miller, right. 32 million dollar cap hit to get rid of him. Right. 23 million dollars to have him on your roster. So you're basically paying nine more to not have him. And if you are like David and you are going to be thinking for the next three months about the idea of the Bills trading a future first-round pick to move up and get a wide receiver, just just keep this trade in your pocket that happened a couple of years ago. The Saints moved up, not for a receiver, it was for an edge rusher. They moved up from 27 and traded their future first-round pick. You know how high they got? 14th. About as high yeah. as I think you're really realistically getting. They are, n- I, the the Marvin Harrison Juniors like they are not getting near him. They're not getting near. I don't think Roma Dunze. Like I, I think they can get up if they want. Like they can move up and maybe they need need to to get one of those well, top guys. We'll go through it, but they're not getting. I don't. There's no way I think they're getting in the top ten, barring some. What was the trade in draft day with Kevin Costner? They trade like four first round picks. Like they're something that you see in movies is what they would need to get in the top ten. Yeah. The way that it probably plays out is if, if if the Bills, let's say the Bills had a guy and they said, like, all right, they call every team between 10 and 16. Here's our offer to come where you are. And one team says, you know what? Depending on who's on the board at 12, call us. We get to the 12th pick. The guy the Bills want is on the board. The team X in that spot says, let's do it. 
then the Bills could trade up for maybe Odunze falls to 12. Who knows? Like one of these top three receivers, it's, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and Roma Odunze tend to be the one, two, three. If somebody drifts, I mean, this year's draft was watching all those yeah. top flight receivers make it all the way to 20. Uh, and the Bills didn't move up for that. They moved up for Kincaid. So I guess that's what you get to is you feel out what the price will be, and you have no idea if you're going to do it until that day comes, and then you still probably back away. I I don't think they should trade a, a future first to move up in a class like this. Like, What's a better idea, Joe? Taking the receiver that's there at 28 and another one in the third round or only getting one and you're trading not only 28 but the third and next year's first? I just don't need to do it personally i have plenty of faith yep. in the depth of this class a lot of these guys you see out there are not taken at the very 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 top so yep i'm, I'm good with it i'm i'm good with uh you know man just staying where you are i'm really thinking about your joe brady thought though like there's so much on him this this next year we're about to watch a super bowl between shanahan and, and reed was this the year of the it, it's kind of weird this year was def- defenses catching up to offenses, but I also feel like at the same time it was the year of the offensive play caller. Like McDaniel having the Dolphins where they are, Shanahan uh, like just with making Purdy into what he is and having that offense what it is. Reed's still going here. Ben Johnson. I mean, there are so many good young play callers in the league, and the Bills go forward with Joe Brady, and like I, I think that's a real idea, but... I think because of who's in this Super Bowl, I'm thinking even more about that point about Brady. Like he's got to be up to it. He ha- he has he has to be up to it. Reed's not going anywhere. No. Well, unless you believe Adam Schefter's speculation from last week, mm. maybe he wins and steps away, and Belichick know. goes to Kansas City. <laughs> That's what he said. That. That's what Adam Schefter said. It. John and Chicktawaga. Hey, John. Good morning. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh... It would seem to be defeatist if you said the Bills have to get to the Super Bowl and win it maybe next year uh, for McDermott to save his job. But four years in a row they haven't. So I'm wondering, uh, McDermott, one of the problems with being a McDermott is they're so close personally. It's going to be really tough if uh, Bean has to fire McDermott. But that might be the only way he can save his own Bean, job. Bean so. doesn't, doesn't have that power to do it. They both report to Pagula. Yeah, but he might say he might suggest it to Pagula, and Pagula could say, "Yeah, go ahead and do it." That's a, p- a possibility. But I think uh, it's going to be tough for him to do it because, uh, unlike most general managers and coaches, they were friends before he even got here, and uh, it just doesn't seem like it, you know. I wonder if it'll end their friendship. Not that that matters, but like uh, they said in The Godfather, it's not personal; it's business. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I just wonder if you guys think. Uh, being able to do that because I don't think he's ever said a bad word about McDermott, and you can understand that because you know McDermott wouldn't be too happy about that. How do you guys feel about that? I'll hang up and listen. My, thanks, John. My first thought is Darcy Regeer fired Lindy Ruff. It ultimately did happen. It took him sixteen years to do it. <laughs> That's right. I know. Just you know, you can be friends and have to fire a guy. You can be friends and have to move on. Yeah. I, I don't know the, the inner workings of how that would happen to me still seem elusive. If nothing else, I think they're a package deal. As much as much as you can be for a GM and a coach, it depends. If you like, will they? Will they? Will one of them coexist without the other on this team? I have no and, idea. Like, I, it's, I just, it's, it's hard for me to see that. I 
think it's equally as hard to see that them firing McDermott. Like I just, I don't, I don't know. It's almost impossible to view this team after them, after McDermott. I don't know what it would take to get McDermott to be actually fired. Another year in the divisional round. I mean, let's let's apply some of the things we've said today, which is, how do you feel about the Bills after this loss? Now that the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl again. If you're someone that says, well, I feel better about it because the Chiefs are just greatness. Well, I hope you're not someone that thinks the owner should fire Sean McDermott because you're telling everybody right now, you feel better you're living in a dynasty. Mm -hmm. So why would I fire my coach? I I look like the team that gives them the most trouble. If you are someone that feels... I'm just trying to like put your, if, put all the all the things that are said about all these teams together. If you're someone that wants McDermott gone, but also today is saying I feel better because nobody can get by the Chiefs, wouldn't the owner feel the same way? I feel better, and well, I feel emboldened in my coach. So just be careful about yeah. which side of it you're coming down on. That's where I would wonder if you want if you're someone that wants McDermott fired. I don't think yesterday's good for you because I could see the owner watching those games yesterday and feeling like, well, what am I supposed to do? There's no, there's no, the Zach Taylor is the only guy that's done this, right? Like if, if I'm trying to topple the chiefs in the AFC, nobody else is doing it. So why am I supposed to believe that I'm, I'm, I'm the team that's messing up. I'm the team that has to fire its coach because my guy's not doing it. Well, no, nobody's doing it. John Harbaugh's not doing it. You know, like I, I think if you think McDermott's got to go, I don't think yesterday could be good for you. I think the the way the owner could treat it would be being more solidified that, no, my guy's got just as good a chance as anybody else does at toppling them. 8030550. Thanks for the phone calls. 1-888-550-2550. Are they a dynasty if they don't win, by the way, on Sunday? I thought the rule was three. I have no idea. Back-to-back and three out of four is definitely yes. But if they if they don't win, if they, they won two out of I four, know. I mean they're going to go. Ne- they're going to win next year. Win three out of five and appear again. They gonna I, they're they're going to be better. They're going to win year. four out of six, five out of seven. I mean, pair that defense with an offense that could actually you know score more than twenty points a game. They they could be scarier next year. I true I truly believe they would be they will be a better team next year, and they're in the Super Bowl right now. That doesn't have to mean by the way that they will be in the Super Bowl next year. They could be a better team next year and not make the Super Bowl. I mean, the Bills were, the Bills didn't have their uh, their defense, you know. So if they're healthy next year on defense, and the Chiefs have Michael Pittman on their offense, the Bills could still win that football game. And I might still tell you they were a better version next year. Eight oh three oh five fifty. It is uh, Grumbly Monday. Got to get you my Allen question for you. My Josh Allen question comes to you from uh, Kurt Warner. Looking back at that last drive, that last possession of the Bills-Chiefs game. I've also got to figure out my emotions on the 49ers this morning. Yeah. Because I can't figure out who I want. I want to doubt somebody on the Niners, but I don't know who. Well, also, I've got to root against them because of our... Well, I can't root for the Chiefs. Just to win 20 bucks listen, on our bet. I can't do that. Don't we all know we live in a sports world where what you're really rooting for is the narrative that you can stomach more? Yes. You've got got two narratives are going to come out of a game, Mm -hmm. and you've got to pick which one you can live with. If the Niners win, is there going to be a whole new generation of, I mean, you don't need a first-round quarterback. The Niners, Brock Purdy won a Super Bowl. Is that going to happen? Give me Brock Purdy, seventh-round quarterback. I mean, Brady led to a generation of people thinking you could draft a quarterback in the sixth round. 
I don't mm-hmm. know if Purdy's about to do that same thing. But well, Shanahan might do that for coaches, right? You right. know what I mean? Like maybe like win, like pull some of the power to. No, no, no. You don't need to do everything in the world to build your team around your quarterback. If you find your way to a pretty good one, then you it's, it, just get the right coach, right? Get the right scheme. And maybe the Niners really could do it for like offensive skill position players, right? Because they are the best infrastructure around a quarterback. Not even just the play calling, but that matters too. Of who their receivers are. Brandon Ayuk yesterday. Holy cow. Like, Debo Samuel's not even their best receiver. Mm-hmm. Kittle didn't have a catch until the fourth quarter. He's an all-pro tight end. George Kittle also gave the meme answer after the game. Not going to lie, they had us in the first half. I don't know if you know Did that. he say that? Yes, he did. That not, they had us in the first not half? Not going to lie, they had us in the first half. Yeah, which is you know a meme from a high school football player who said that once. Well, what's the narrative of the Chiefs one? Uh, just that they're a dynasty that, and, like... Uh, there's just nothing you can do. They're, they're a dynasty. I guess so. It'll be Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes could throw for 74 yards and they win. It'll be, he's the GOAT. <laughs> their defense is what, uh-huh. their defense got them through that game. Yeah. I still can't believe they didn't score a touchdown after their second drive and they won the game. Yeah. Nine drives Baltimore had to get that done. Come on. Come on, Ravens. How did you let that happen? At by, home. By fumbling into the end zone. That's one. All right, 803-0550. On this Kurt Warner evaluation of Josh Allen's final few plays, makes me ask myself a question about whether or not Allen is carrying this around, and do we want him to? We'll get to that. Kurt Warner's assessment of the Allen throw to Shakir. 803-0550, Jeremy and Joe on WGR. On the pocket. That's away from Chanel, who's trying to get after him for a second time, but the ball is thrown to the end zone, and it's caught! Flowers with the touchdown! Zay Flowers. Boy, he had himself a ride yesterday, huh? Yeah. He's he's so good, though. He was like the only thing that was really working in their offense. Beckham didn't show it. Didn't Beckham not even have a target until the fourth quarter? Right. And Bateman didn't do much. Andrews didn't do much. Lamar likely didn't do much. Lamar ran for a bunch. Yeah, he escaped a bunch of sacks. Yep. That, actually, on that play, holy cow! Yeah, that would have been an all-time play if they won. He like ducks under two chief linemen and throws a bomb to Flowers, who of course is just running open down the field. Eight oh three oh five fifty to join us. Okay, so I've got in Peter King's Football Morning in America column, Requiem for the Bills. He looks back over what happened to the Bills and the Chiefs. He was at the game. He mm-hmm. covered it from the Kansas City side. He writes, during the week, I had the time to rewatch the game and consider it from the Bills' perspective. And he said he was left with one overriding question. Why did the Bills, in the middle of their final drive of the game, drastically change their offensive approach at the most critical moment of the season? And he basically points to, it's second down, and you throw deep to Shakir. You miss that throw. Third down, throw it away, kick, misses, you lose. A team that had been throwing, taking what the defense dictates, Mm -hmm. decided to take the big shot. And he wrote about Allen and Kurt Warner here. Kurt Warner spoke either to Peter King or he just pulled a quote from him. Here's what Peter King said. I'm sorry. Here's what Kurt Warner said about the Allen decision to throw to Shakir. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you talk yourself into a play and say, I'm going to make this play. 
And this is the throw that will send us to the championship game. Instead of saying, I'm going to let the defense dictate where I throw the ball. As a quarterback, you have to have the ability to balance those things. Then Peter King writes, I thought Warner put it best on Allen in this game and Allen as a player. He said, quote, back to Kurt Warner, it's impossible to play perfect games. And Josh played an incredible game until the end. In the end, he took some chances that wouldn't have been what I would have done. He chose to make those throws. And if you choose those throws, you've got to make them. That's part of being great. Brady, Montana, Mahomes. They have careers of making the plays in the absolute crucial times of the game. Now they're on the Mount Rushmore of NFL quarterbacks. And then King wraps it up with, Allen's just six years in. He's got so much of his life in front of him. He's a smart guy. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks ever to play. He's going to have plenty of chances to go deep in the playoffs and to win a Super Bowl. But this is a crucial lesson he must learn, or he may never hold the Lombardi Trophy. And that wraps it all up. My question is this, on all that. We could debate it all you want. Mm-hmm. Is Allen walking around with that thought? Is is Josh Allen going to this offseason thinking about what he should have done on second down? Instead of looking for Shakir in the end zone, mm-hmm. should he have taken an easy, short play like they'd been hitting the entire game? Because everybody goes to the offseason with something. My guess is Diggs goes to the offseason thinking about that drop. Which, by the way, that same drive, they did move down the field and get to that spot, but whatever. Like, Diggs probably going thinking about the drop. Tyler Bass goes to the offseason thinking about his miss. Yep. Yep. What does Josh Allen think about? Does he think about second down? I should have done something different. Here's Kurt Warner, right? Kurt Warner's pretty good. He's in the Hall of Fame saying, as yep. a quarterback, you got to be better in that moment. If you're going to rip the cord for Shakir, you have to complete it. No one around here is really all that interested in blaming Josh Allen, and understandably so. He's the team's MVP, arguably the league's MVP. He is a great player that puts this team on his back. He ran for 72 yards. He ran for two touchdowns. How much is Allen walking around with that play? I almost want to believe he's more likely to watch that play back and go into the offseason thinking, oh, man, if I only stepped up in the pocket. Finally stepped up in the pocket. It's a touchdown, and I've made I've made the play of the game. I've made I've had that moment that Kurt Warner is talking about. I've got it. I just didn't I didn't have the right pocket movement. I don't know. He did once say, "I'll never be captain checkdown." I know it's not quite a checkdown. It's digs over the middle. He, he was checkdown the whole game. I know. I know. Right. That's all that was there. That was the one play though where like something down the field was open. I mean, they had their shots and they didn't hit them. Yeah. But even like the Diggs one, there's a guy right there. The guy's falling as it goes down. It ends up being open. Like that one, Shakir was open. I, I, maybe, maybe that is what Allen's walking around with. He's going to be at Lake Tahoe, I'm sure, right? For the, the Pro Am next week, or not, uh, Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach Pro Am. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll maybe hear him talk on it at some point during the offseason. I think it might be just as likely that. The way he is, the way he plays the sport, especially, is he thinking that, or is he thinking, I, if I step up in the pocket, it's a touchdown and we win the football game? But now I'm up by four. Yeah, I he, don't know. I don't know how he thinks on stuff like that. Well, he here, here, plays here, here, like he thinks about finding a different way to throw the touchdown rather than throw it to Diggs. But even even throwing a touchdown in that play, let's play it like if you could be the galaxy brain quarterback, what would you do? You'd want you'd want to throw it to Diggs. You'd want the yes. shorter pass. Yes. The worst thing for the Chiefs would have been a first down. Probably. 
because they're going to get the ball back down four. And then if you lose, I mean, it, it kind of is funny to think about. Tyler Dunn's piece about 30, 13 seconds was that McDermott actually said the words you guys scored too quickly. That's with 13 seconds left. If there had been a minute and 40 left, <laughs> uh-huh. that's definitely a you might have scored too quickly scenario. And I know we like to think, hey, points, 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 all that matter are points. But playing the clock and playing at the very, very highest level, if Allen had it to do over again, would he slide in the pocket and throw it? Or would he think, actually, if I could have my best outcome here, it's not a touchdown in that spot. Well, what did McDerm- didn't McDermott say after the game that like we were more focused on scoring points in that moment than, he than was worried asked- about the clock? He, at least that's what he said. He, he was asked about points versus the clock, the clock becoming a factor. Yeah, and that's McDermott. It's not Allen, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't know how different that has to be, but Allen also did throw the ball away on third down, which you know. Could he be walking around with that, too, thinking about the Kincaid open over the middle to get them to fourth? But second is more about this, because that is the more glaring. You get the first. You pro- almost certainly get the first. You get the first if you throw it to Diggs. And if he slides in the pocket, he probably thinks he's scoring a touchdown there. I, I want to go back now and find his his you know postgame comments on this, because I think he didn't reference that he, he didn't have good pocket movement on that play. And that sounds like, at least in the moment, someone that wishes he found a way to get the Shakir pass. Now, I don't know if he saw Diggs at that point, right? Right after the play, the only way he would have known that is if he's either on the iPad, which did he even bother because the game was pretty much over at that point, or he would have had to have Diggs come up to him. and Or someone come up and say, hey, you had Diggs on that play. I wonder when he found out about Diggs being open like that. Because he definitely, I don't think, recognized it as the play was going on, did he? Uh, I don't know. I mean... He's been one to turn down open receivers shorter for more stuff down the field. Yeah. So he may very may have seen it and thought, eh, I can get this touchdown. Well, if he does go into the season thinking, I should have thrown it to Diggs. I, I can't believe I threw it to Diggs. I mean, is he going to come out a different quarterback? Does he take the lesson of the season from the way it began to the way it ended of – I gotta take less chances. I gotta be smarter with the ball. I no, started the no, season no, 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 jumping no, no. over people, no. and in the last play of the game, I took a shot. I took a shot when I really should have took the safe play. No, because then he comes out we're not a different a, we're quarterback. Not, we're not applying that play and making the season out of sixteen passes behind the line of scrimmage. The whole idea that Kurt Warner is getting at is it is a playoff game. And this can be the last possession of the game. You're trying to kill Patrick Mahomes. There's one way to do it. And Kurt Warner's point is that Brady, Montana, Mahomes. But it's still there's, there's, there's two paths. Yeah. One path is make the smarter play. The second path is if you're going to take that throw, you have to make that throw. That's Kurt Warner's view on this. But it still falls under the umbrella of he's taking a chance or a risk that he doesn't need to take, or that it's not, not a, the smart play. Right. That it's he's not, not taking, it's, it's him not, not taking the smart play. That it's not the smartest play. Warner right. says, I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. But that's what I mean. Like, he, the whole season, McDermott, McDermott, I'm talking about in turnovers more so, you know, is different, but talking about that going into the bye week. Does Allen go into the offseason thinking, I was dumb the whole year? No, we're talking about that play. No, I know, but we're not that, th- on that play. Why he, does he think he's dumb the whole year? Because if he thinks he should have thrown it to Diggs, he's saying I took a risk there that I shouldn't have taken on that play. Yeah, he thinks on that play. He's not going to think the whole season. But that was kind of his th- 
theme of the season, wasn't it? But this it? is not a switch that you toggle back and forth. You either are only aggressive or only throwing checkdowns. It's situational. When can I make the smart play? And, of course, again, this is Kurt Warner. But that's why, does he think far too many times last year there was a smart play to be had and I did, the, I did something different? No. How many games would you actually say that was true? The Jet game and the last game? Where else? How, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there were probably there were a ton of plays during, during the middle of the season, weren't there, for him on that? He led the league in picks. Does he think about that? Probably not. <laughs> his, probably coach, not. his coach sounds like he thinks about it. How many picks did Mahomes throw this year? He was close. He was like he second, almost had the same thing. Second most. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Mahomes threw this season fourteen. Twenty seven touchdowns, fourteen picks for Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Mike on a cell. Hey, Mike. Hey, um, my take on Kurt Warner is he's wrong. Joe Brady called the play. Joe Brady called the play to Shakir. Why didn't he call the play to Dix? How do you know that? Because the play was to Shakir. He's open. So you it was only Dix. Throw the check down. You only throw the check down if Shakir's not open. Shakir's that's, open. That's not. That's so is Diggs. I mean, without yeah, without the, the play is the, the check down is if the play isn't open. Shakir is open. That's the play call. There, the play call wasn't let's check down to Diggs. The check down is if the play is it open. Well, you're over. He's uh, wide open. Mike, I think if anything here, you're a little guilty of you overusing check down. There are options when you drop back to pass to multiple routes that could be open. And without it being a check down, the play could be, let's, let's use the term check up. Did Allen check up to Shakir because he thought, I've got this, but it looks like Shakir's going to beat this guy. Did he get to the line and like the look of it and check up to Shakir rather than go with the play that was called? I guess we'll never know that. But the, 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 Allen, when he takes that snap, he's looking at Shakir. That's Kurt, I mean, Warner's, that- that's Kurt Warner's point. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Let me read you the quote again. I, you don't have to care what Kurt Warner says. But... Sometimes you talk yourself into a play and say, I'm going to make this play, and this is the throw that will send us to the championship game, instead of saying, I'm going to let the, de- let, let the defense dictate where I throw the ball. That's the point. Yeah. He gets to the line, and instead of, I, I, I mean, maybe we'll get Kurt Warner on this. And again, like people around here don't like to blame Josh, and I'm not even sure it is blaming Josh. The whole idea is he could have played that play better. Don't get greedy if you didn't need to yeah how, right and how do you like the play was designed for Shakir I don't know like he there were two receivers open there were two receivers open on the play so I don't know how you're supposed to know who was supposed to be open who Joe Brady thought was going to be open he doesn't see the way the defense lines up right Allen's the one who sees that so the decision's on him you know, one way or the other. For better or worse, if you liked it, if you didn't like it, like the decision is on Josh Allen to throw that ball to Khalil Shakir. It's not on Joe Brady. Joe Brady called the play, and then, you know, like Diggs, I'm watching it back now in the All-22, Diggs is in motion, and basically the what, that, what happens there, if I'm really trying to read what Joe Brady thought was going to happen on this play, Diggs goes in motion, and then the Chiefs kind of switch guys off, and he's being covered now by a linebacker. 
I mean, isn't that, like, that's the whole, that's Sean McVay's thing, right? Is, let me get receivers matched up on linebackers. Did Joe Brady call that play thinking, I'm going to get digs on a linebacker here, and that's what's going to work. And that happened. Did he plan on the safety for the Chiefs, like, taking a bad angle and letting Shakir run open over the middle of the field? Like, I don't know. If you're, I think it's about Allen. It's not about Brady on that play for me. Sure. 803-0550. 1-888-552-550. Thanks for the phone call. Frustrating. And again, the biggest thing I... There's what everybody says publicly, and that's why my question was, and we don't have the answer to this, what does Josh Allen go to the offseason with? Does he go to the offseason thinking about that play? Mm-hmm. I mean, any player's going to go to the offseason thinking about plays I could have made. Zay Flowers thinks about his fumble into the end zone. Mm-hmm. And Lamar thinks about the pick he threw into triple coverage. And if you are... Josh Reynolds of the Lions, you're thinking about two massive drops. Jameer Gibbs is going to think about his fumble. You think about a bad play. And to, yeah. our, to our eyes, it's not exactly a bad play. Kurt Warner, right. NFL quarterback, has won a Super Bowl, says, I wouldn't have done it. And maybe maybe the answer to this question is, no, Allen doesn't think about that. And that's fine. Live or die like that. That's the question. Does he think about it? Thanks, Mike, for the phone call. 803-0550. On Brady getting the offensive coordinator job and what the Bills do on their defensive staff. They lost Eric Washington. What happens with Bobby Babich? Uh, decisions to be made regarding the Bills' defensive coordinator still. Coaching changes. We'll talk about that with Sal at the top of the hour. 803-0550 to join us on WGR. So, Joe, I'm on NFL.com. Good morning. Jeremy and Joe with you. Nick, or sorry, Chad Ryder has uh, team needs. We got 30 of the first 32 picks in the draft locked in. Okay. Bills pick 28th, Lions 29, Ravens 30. There are 27 selections before the Bills pick at 28. Mm-hmm. How many teams, how many of those 27 selections does Chad Ryder say belong to a team? that would list wide receiver as a need for that team. Of 27 selections before the Bills pick, how many teams, according to Chad Ryder, need a receiver? I'm going to say like a third of them. So like 9 or 10. 16. Out of 27? Out of 27 picks in front of the Bills. I don't like that. Now again, it's like like listing one or two or three needs, like the Bears. interior offensive line, wide receiver, tight end, edge. But 16 of the 27 slots in front of the Bills, receiver would be considered a need. And I don't believe there are 16 uh, first round. No. As deep as it is. No. And I, of course, like. (laughs) Would never happen. Most Uh, projections have about seven, six to seven to eight going first round. We'll see how that goes. We have the offensive draft early. So anyway, just wanted to get that out there. I was looking at, as we slot the draft order in, this was the first thing I noticed in ChadRiderNFL.com. That the picks after the Bills, mm-hmm. it's Bills, Lions. He lists receiver. Maybe replace Josh Reynolds. After that, Baltimore. He lists receiver. Beckham's a free agent. After the, and Bateman was you know whatever Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. After that, maybe the Chiefs receiver. <laughs> like there'll be a late first round run probably. Eight oh three oh five fifty. We'll check in with Sal. Get his thoughts on Joe Brady made the full time offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, and what's going to happen at defensive coordinator as well with uh, Eric Washington, defensive line coach and assistant head coach, leaving for Chicago, and now 
Maybe it's Bobby Babbage. We'll see. Uh, saw Eric Wood give Bobby Babich a ringing endorsement via Twitter to be the new DC. We'll find out what the Bills end up doing probably this week. They are interviewing for defensive head or defensive coordinators. They've already made their choice at offensive coordinator. Joe Brady keeps that job. Jeremy and Joe and Sal, along with your phone calls, when we return here on our grumbly, sad, mad at the AFC Monday. First down, another fake. Come with Jamison Williams, a speedster, has a block. Williams cuts up, 25-20, still on his feet. Jamison Williams scores! Here's Purdy with a lot of time. Steps into one, watching deep, going for Brandon Ayuk. It is, oh, he caught it off the ricochet. Penalty, is he in? Hit him right in the face mask. And then, man, give credit there to Brandon Ayuk just staying with the play. And Here's Purdy, looking, firing in, Joe, Touchdown! Elijah Mitchell in for the first time tonight. Guess what? He's going to get it. Mitchell surging forward. Touchdown! And there it is. The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Here's Kansas City from the 19. Throwing at the goal line. And it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. On the pocket. That's away from Chennault. He's trying to get after him for a second time. But the ball is thrown to the end zone. And it's caught. Flowers with the touchdown. Jackson to Flowers. He dives. The ball came out. It's recovered by Kansas City. Did the ball come out before he broke the plane? This is a call that could determine the whole game right here. It's out. He's heading back to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. And a chance to become the first team since New England of 2003 and four to go back to back. Grumble with us. Be mad with us. Grumble Monday. Grumble Monday. You're listening to Jeremy and Joe on Western New York Sports Giant. WGR Sports Radio 550. Hey, good morning. It is Monday. Jeremy White and Sneaky Joe DiBiase, Josh Schmidt producing Sal Capaccio joining us to talk a little bit. Buffalo Bills coaching stuff because they've made some decisions on the coaching staff. We'll also get Sal on the games that were yesterday. It was a dramatic day. The uh, Niners-Lions game had more juice just because more points. Yep. The Ravens-Chiefs game looked like a game that was close to getting exciting for a lot of it, but the second half brought about three points total. So with that, we go to the uh, Wester Hotline, talk to Sal Capaccio. Sal, good morning. Morning, guys. Happy Monday. How'd you like your championship Sunday? I had a, like many Bills fans might have, I was just watching Ravens, Chiefs, and I could feel the mad. I was mad. I was just mad the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I couldn't even decide what I really wanted. I just I think I just wanted to be mad about it. Yeah, yeah. You hate watched it. Yep. That's what you did. Yep. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what that is called. That's what that is, and I... I said the same thing to many people. We had a couple of things going on on Saturday and out and about, and people would say, oh, man, you know, tough loss. And I looked at my watch, and I said, yeah, I should be landing in Baltimore right now, but we're not, right? Yeah, I should be uh, getting to the hotel right about now. Yeah, yeah, should be heading to the stadium on Sunday. It didn't happen, and um, I think that's why. I think uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I thought a lot about, you know, just the, the missed opportunities and the chance to, for the Bills and the fact that they're not there. And, you know, I tweeted yesterday, it was very interesting, I tweeted yesterday, who's Bill's Mafia rooting for? And I knew it would be very slanted towards the Ravens. But I had a few people 
chime in and say, how is this even a question? What are you talking about? And you said it right there, Jeremy. You didn't really know what you wanted to happen, and that's because there's a school of thought of, of course, you just can't stand seeing the Chiefs there again. Please, just get rid of the Chiefs. And then there's another school of thought of, do we really want another team to beat the Chiefs before the Bills do? Like, no, you want to be the one to beat them. You can't have another 2018 quarterback and another team rise up like Cincy has already, and now you're behind them, right? And technically speaking, I guess you could anyway since they're in the championship game, but you get the point. So I do think there was a segment of Bills fans that were okay with the Chiefs winning and probably are today, as gross as that may sound, that they have to watch them again. Does it feel like they're more unbeatable to you, Sal? Like, you wake up this morning thinking... Like, this Chiefs, at least the offense, was the worst that it's been under Mahomes, and it, they just they ended up here anyway. Like, does it feel like, I guess, does it feel, I guess, worse in that respect that for you that, you know, they're just going to keep doing it and it's going to be another Patriots run here? Yeah, I mean, I think they have, will have a Patriots type of run, but I don't think it has to be every year. Um, you know, I mean, if the Patriots didn't have some years, there were several years in a row there where they didn't make it. Um, so, you know, it, it just takes one game, one team, one time, a few mistakes here or there. Um, it, it almost happened against the Bills, right? We're, we're talking about just a few critical plays. That's really what it comes down to. It's, you know, you, you make one or two of those plays that you didn't make, what it, whatever it may be, whether that's on offense or defense, and we're talking about a different result and the Bills are playing at Baltimore. If Baltimore makes a couple more plays, um, they're talking about a different result. Does it feel like they're more unbeatable? I guess with the way they're playing, Joe, but I, I keep thinking maybe they won't be – what they were on offense, you know, like like the last few games, last couple of games since Miami, I guess, but they've you know kind of turned it around in offense, and it doesn't mean it has to be like that. They weren't that great in the second half yesterday on offense. They had five punts. You know, Baltimore, yeah. yeah, Baltimore, Baltimore did a nice job, and they the, the the Chiefs. There was another, there was a drop pass in there, I guess, it was a little behind them, but a couple of those things showed up. I do like the way they're running the ball though with Pacheco. I do think that he makes a big difference for them, and. I, I do think that they're a very good coaching staff. They've matched up well with personnel. They've done a lot of really you know, nice things over here the last few weeks, including against the Bills, and they knew the Bills were depleted at linebacker, of course. Sal Capaccio joining us on the Western Hotline. Sal, let's, let's move to the Bills. we got trying to talk about the coaching decisions yeah. they've got. We can get back into the other games, but um, let's start with Joe Brady. <clears throat> Named the offensive coordinator. They interviewed Thad Lewis of the Bucks and former Bills quarterback, but Joe Brady ultimately gets the job in what probably comes as no surprise really to any Bills fan, I'd imagine. No, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I think there's been a thought amongst fans, media, everybody, that you know Joe Brady, and I said to you guys last week, it's clearly he's the um, the front runner. He, clearly he's the favorite to get the job. It doesn't mean that they won't look outside, and I don't know how thorough they did that or vetted it. I mean, they brought at least Thad Lewis in we know of. I don't know of anybody else necessarily – but it doesn't mean they didn't look at a lot of people. But it also, I think, was probably partly because you wanted to make sure that, you know, Joe Brady suddenly didn't have, okay, well, wait a minute. You know, you're, I'm waiting here and I got this opportunity, that opportunity. He interviewed, Joe Brady interviewed where? The Atlanta, with Atlanta. Yep. We saw yep. Ken Dorsey hired by the Eagles. I mean, I Browns. don't know. I don't think he was, I'm sorry. Thank you very yep. much. But the Browns. But I, I was going to say the Eagles because I know there's some Eagles people that said they'd like to have Joe Brady. And I'm thinking, I don't think he interviewed there, but at the same time, you never know. The longer you go, the longer you make him wait, that's going to happen. How about the Lions? They're going to lose their OC, right? I mean, um, Ben Johnson's going to become the coach of the commanders, I think. That's apparently what's going to happen, but we'll see. But there are openings up, openings. So I do think it was kind of best for both parties to move quickly here 
for anybody who says they, they didn't take their time. Well, the longer you take, the more you might risk losing Joe Brady as well, which also could be said for the same thing for Bobby Babbage. We can get to that in a second. But I think that's partly why, right, which is, hey, this is our guy. We're really comfortable with him. He did a good job for us. He wants to be here. We do we do need to look outside and make sure we're making the right call, but at the same time, the longer we wait, we're also opening the door for him to have another opportunity. Will we hear from Brady, by the way, with this promotion, or or no, do you think? Nothing imminent, I would say. Gotcha. I, okay. I would Generally, Joe, I would think it wouldn't happen until off-season workouts, okay. maybe even the combine, but I doubt it. Usually that's just head coaches and GMs, but but it's possible that could happen there. So until until then, like we'll we'll kind of go around I think Sal on like what he would want his offense to be. Do do you think like they're running the ball more, you know, in, like how did you come away with this at the end of the year where like the the offense in which he played, was it more reactionary to what had gone on beginning of the season versus what Brady might actually want at his core? Can, can I ask this same question in a different way? Kinda? Yeah, yeah. Which is just this: yeah. How much power will they give him to decide? Yeah, that's about. Yeah, you know, like yep. it's the same question, but how much power sell over the years have they given their offensive co- coordinator in terms of hey, as we go to free agency and the draft, Joe says he needs one of these. We got to make sure we get one of these versus. You know, stick to our board, blah blah blah. Like it's all—I know it's all a mix, but how much power does Brady have in that build? Well, I think power is an interesting word, right? I mean, he's not making the call, right? And I know you're not saying he is, Jeremy, but well, I would look back at what Ken Dorsey—you know—his influence on even twelve personnel. But that was an organizational thing, and Brandon Bean said, "Hey, you know, this is what we've wanted to do." And Dorsey was there, and you know, they wanted—they wanted to do that as well. He—he he was a part of that, I'm sure. I would say they would take his influence, his um, his comments or his thoughts on it, and, and weigh them heavily. But Brandon Bean's going to do what's best, what he thinks for the organization. You know, I mean, if you did that, you'd have your defensive coordinator, whoever that is, pounding the table on what he needs, and the offensive coordinator pounding the table. They're all going to do that. Well, I need to make my unit better. I need this guy. But I'm sure what's going to happen is they'll look and say, look, these are the kinds of players we need. Talk about explosive players. What kind of explosive players? Do we need more guys on the outside? Do we need more slot receivers? Do we need more back? Uh, pa- um, Guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield, things like that. So, yes, I do think he will have influence. He will have say, but I don't think it's any different than what they've really how they've operated over the last several years. I think Brandon Bean is very kind of good at gauging that from his staff, and Sean McDermott is from his assistant staff and what they need to try and kind of supplement what they already have. Now, as far as what kind of offense, I believe that Joe Brady was kind of at he had to do what he had to do given the personnel. Um, I do think that his offense looked different than Ken Dorsey when it came to more motion. Um, I think his offense looked different when it came to getting the ball to James Cook out of the backfield, at least in the first few weeks when he became coordinator. It didn't happen as much later. But I also think that he was really kind of bound by the lack of Mm -hmm. explosiveness he had at the wide receiver position and those guys not getting separation. So I think... That goes back to Jeremy, your question of, okay, well, now you go and say, look, I can do this, this, and this if I have these types of parts. And we know the Bills are already kind of thinking along those lines. Yeah, like it's draft night, and we the Bills are re- releasing the video for who they picked in the first round, but they won't show the stare down between McDermott and Brady <laughs> when it's ah. the receiver or the tackle. Like, come on, my guy, <laughs> my guy. You know, there's always going to be a, a push-pull there depending on how the board falls. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and, and I mean th- I I think by then they'll know, right? They'll have a good consensus and know which way they're going to go essentially that 
doesn't seem like it would it would happen in that sense. But you're right. I, I do think that every time you draft anybody, the defensive side is going to want the players to make them better, and the offensive side is going to want them to you know have players. But let's remember we have free agency coming up first. Before that, they're going to dig in and say, okay, what kind of players um, do we need here? So yeah, I, I do think that. Now, I think one of the questions has to be answered though too. And you know, I don't have Ken Dorsey or Joe Brady's playbook in front of me to know the exact terminology. But how much does Joe Brady want to change to what he his own playbook in offense versus the terminology that Ken Dorsey used? Because he went off of that pretty much. Now they, I'm sure they made some tweaks. And what my guess would be is he's going to get with Josh Allen. He's going to get with you know some other play, people on staff and say what did we really do well that we liked, and they're going to kind of morph it into the best kind of terminology they can use to bring in what his ideas are or what he wants to do to kind of keep a lot of that stuff. And that's how a lot of these things generally work when you make these changes. And just to round it out on Brady, they're they're not going to have him also be quarterback coach, right? They'll replace him on that front, you would think? It's a good question. I would think they'd replace him, Joe. I'm not positive, but that's a good question. Um, I doubt he would have both duties. That's correct. And, I, I mean, yeah. towards the end of the year, I, I think Mike Shula was basically doing it, but he didn't have really the um, title. The the title of it, yeah. Okay. yeah, That's right, Joe. The Mike Shula that used to be the head coach of Alabama. Sal, so, before we get to the defensive side of the ball, there will be months and months and months to do our yearly digs speculation. Peter King writes this morning, he thinks the Bills will have to do some, I think he, the term he used was contract surgery, and the digs might not be too happy about it. The idea that, what's that, restructure, do something different? What kind of options do they have when it comes to Diggs' contract, because it's a big, huge extension that's about to kick in, I'm not in any way bailing on the idea that he can return to form. And Brandon Bean said we truly believe he's still a wide receiver one. From a contract standpoint, what what options are there? Well, his extension already kicked in, the one they signed a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? He doesn't have an extension kicking in now that, that, that I can tell. I think that was a couple of years ago when he redid his deal. But what they did was they reworked it already. Remember, they reworked it and they put, um, you know, they took base salary and moved it into a bonus. I think they're going to have to figure, if they want to do something, they could do something like that again. He's scheduled to make, I'm going to look it over the cap here for this, um, mm-hmm. and I know Spot Track as well, all of these guys have it. Mm-hmm. He's scheduled to make 18.5, <laughs> excuse me, in base salary. And you can reduce a ton of that, put it into signing bonuses and spread it out over the next, you know, four years he's still under contract. But all you're doing that is pushing even more money in cap into 2025 and 2026 that's the that's the trick especially with a guy who's going to be 31 and you wonder if the production how much longer it is and you know everything that happened this year um so yeah i think that's really what you're probably toying with here like to me there are guys you can do this with that would make much more sense Deion dawkins has one year left i think he's a great extension candidate so you can lower his cap number this year um, Rasul Douglas, one year left. Extension candidate, you can lower his number this year. There are guys you can do it like that with. Stefan would be different. Stefan would be, okay, you have a big number. Um, if you're your base salary, you can move that into – I mean, you could literally, guys, reduce it down to, let's say, make his base salary $2 million and save, and then you cut off 16 of that. Now you're going to have to put – you're going to have to spread it out. So let's say four, 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 nineteen. Okay, so how much would that be? So you'd probably save about $12 million this year just yeah. by doing that. But you're going to add – from a $27 million cap hit next year, you're going to go over 30 right. next year. And, and the idea that Diggs would be unhappy about that, which is something Peter King suggested, that comes to cap hits getting bigger. And like if they were to redo this, they'd be saying, you're here forever. You Right? Like This mm-hmm. is not going to be any sort of uh, mutual parting of ways. If 
he didn't want that, and the Bills didn't want that, want that, and wash their hands. I'm in over the cap for a cut, a post June one cut. Which again, I have no interest in this. Hmm. They saved nineteen no. this year on a post June one cut. Yes, but they. Yeah. But then the next they year, save nineteen. Yeah. They would still take on about eight million dollars in dead money. Yeah. But here's what you have to always remember about the post June one stuff, guys. Number one. You're spreading it out over two years. The dead money, you'd have more dead money again next year, the following year, okay? You'd, you'd divide it up. But number two, you don't get that money until June 1st. Yeah. You can't, you don't have it for free agency. <laughs> if you say we're going to cut you and make it a June 1st cut, great. Well, guess what? We still, it doesn't matter until June 1st, you know, as far as money is concerned. Yeah, we're going to save the money, but we don't save it until June 1st. So if you want that money for free agency, and then by the time June 1st comes around, most of the free agents are dried up. So what's the purpose of doing it a lot of times? Yeah, it's to save some money this year so we're not taking on this huge cap hit. But you're not saving it until you get there anyway. Right. right. So that seems like, why would you bother? I mean, this team needs receivers as it is. If they were to do something with him, now we're talking about needing four receivers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seems like. Uh, so it, it almost sounds fact, like Sal. Like you, you think a very real possibility is they just don't touch Diggs' contract at all. Like they just kind of go with I, it. I think it's a possibility. I think they could tweak it, but not maybe fully down to with the what we're talking about and moving some of the base salary into signing bonus, maybe you can work it where you can push mm-hmm. a little bit down the road, but not all of it makes it a little bit more bearable next year, the year after, if you want to do something with it. In fact, I'll just say this to guys, Mike Gennetti of spot track. I was looking at this the other day, actually um, Mike Gennetti of spot track, because someone said, how come Diggs cap hit if they trade him or release him post June one is 8 million this year, but over 22 next year. And he broke it down. That is the case. So, Let's just say they get to June 1st, guys, and the Bills say, let's do it. Yes, they'd be saving uh, $19 million. They'd take on an $8 million cap hit. You know what they'd have next year? A $22 million cap right, hit it's just not gonna because happen. they did it this year right. post-June 1. Yeah. All right, Sal, so to the defensive side of the ball and losing Eric Washington, who was an associate assistant head coach of Sean McDermott and defensive line coach, so he'd already had a, a nice title to try and keep him. He leaves for defensive coordinator, which – it's funny, Sal. Let's play the game of promotion slash lateral move. He probably gets a bump in pay. He's going to be defensive coordinator. Tom Pellicero report he's not going to call plays. And what mm-hmm. this all boils down to is we got to find out, and the Bills have to decide if Sean McDermott's going to continue to call plays, right? Because that will decide the caliber of candidate they can keep in their defensive room. Yeah, that's the first step. First step is Sean McDermott has to decide what – you know, he wants to do. I asked him that at the media meeting last week. I also asked Brandon Bean how much, like, that conversation involves him, what they do. And he basically said that, like, you know, he's going to, they're going to allow Sean to kind of figure that out. And if he, if, if him and Terry Pagula were very much like, oh, we can't do this, then that would happen. But that, it's going to be Sean's choice, essentially, guys. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. So if McDermott feels that he does want to have a new defensive, now he could just say, I'm just going to call plays, just do it and run it back the way it is. And then he can do that. He may still hire a defensive coordinator to not call plays, but to run the defense Monday through Saturday, essentially. Or he may hire a defensive coordinator to, you know, call plays and a traditional defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. As far as Eric Washington, yeah, I mean, I see all this stuff. Oh, here's another guy leaving for a lateral move. No, it's a promotion. I'm, I mean, I would guess Eric Washington wants to be a head coach in this league. So, you know, you generally, the next step is you go and call plays. You run your defense. You run a defense. You call plays. You prove your worth. That's the next step to do it. So, yes, I understand when people say, in theory, it's like a lateral move. 
but it's really not. I mean, this is the this is the natural progression of a step you make when you want to be a head coach in this league. And plus, I'm sure it is more money. By title, it is a promotion by NFL definition, by the way. He is not a defensive coordinator. He is going to be a defensive coordinator. Assistant head coach does not matter to NFL definitions, by the way, like this. So when someone says, well, he's moving from a he- assistant head coach to D.C., NFL doesn't care. Those are just those are titles people add on sometimes, but that has nothing to do in the hierarchy and structure of the way the NFL views it. So Eric Washington is moving to Chicago for a promotion and to advance his career. So that will happen. So now Sean has to decide, okay, if I want to do it, obviously it's not going to be Eric Washington. Does Eric Washington do it because he knows he's not getting that job in Buffalo, that that's not going to happen? I don't know. We all want to see, you know, Bobby Babbage retained in Buffalo. I agree. You guys know I've been singing Bobby Babbage's praises for years. I think he's an excellent, excellent position coach. That may come. That may be a part of it. Maybe the mm-hmm. Bills see that he is getting some looks elsewhere. They don't want to lose him. But at the same time, you can't just make the move just because you don't want to lose somebody. You have to know that he's the right person. He's the right fit. He's what you want to keep. Or, you know, the other thing is I'll also say, you guys may see different. I've only seen two teams that interviewed Bobby Babbage. Is that correct? I think it's the Packers and Giants. Well, I only saw requested, right? Like, I don't even know. Like, do the Bills have any say there? I don't. Th- no. Okay. Not for an upgrade. No, they don't. You, right. can't, you can't block right. a position coach from interviewing for, for coordinator spot. So, okay. so they, I'm sure they're going to interview him. So, but I've only seen two teams, though. Is that correct? Yeah, Packers I and I think, Giants. as far as I know, it's Giants and Packers. Well, yeah. I also took a look. Both those teams, like the Giants are interviewing like six guys. The Packers are probably entering five, six guys. I mean, it's not a slam dunk. You're going to lose Bobby Babich, even if you don't make him the coordinator. So you don't necessarily have to push that button until it's time to push that button. Does that all make sense? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. You can let this play out because if he doesn't get it, my guess is he comes back to Buffalo, and then you decide, okay, we're not going to do this this year. Let's wait another year. I mean, I think there, there's a you don't have to just go in in. And hit and hit fast forward right away. You can kind of let it play out and see what his options are before you go do those things. Well, to this point, Sal, like I know what you're getting at. Like they're going to be people that are sour on McDermott, thinking he's pushing more guys out because he needs to run the show. But this is the nature of the league, and this is this yes. is one of the challenges that presents itself, which is if there are, there are only so many jobs and there are only so many top jobs, and when. Uh, people want to get out to pursue a higher ceiling. Players do that, right? I want to be. Yes. I want to bet on myself and sign with the team that's going to use me more as part of their offense. So, without even really defending McDermott, that's why it all comes down to he has to decide: is he calling plays or not? Because it's possible Babbage interviews does well, comes back to the Bills and says the Packers are going to let me call plays. What's your story? And if McDermott is not going to give that's up exactly that play right. calling, then he leaves. Or perhaps he says, you know what? I believe in you. I trust you. Yes, you can call plays for us. Let's do it together. Like that, McDermott will have the final say. And like you said, like he, he might not have to cross that bridge until the offer comes from another team. Who's, we'll see. But I, I tend to agree with you that it, it's not any sort of indictment on Sean McDermott as much as some people might kind of want it to be. Well, I've always said this. When people point out the people who've left staff, I'm like, well, go back and look at, I don't know, look at a lot of staffs over the last five, six years. This is normal. But the other part is, there's a ton of guys in the staff who've been here for like five years. They haven't left. Rob Boris, Bobby Babich, uh, Aaron Cromer's been here a few years now. Kelly Skipper's been here since Sean. There's a ton of guys. John Butler's been here since pretty much the beginning. Yeah, you're going to have turnover. There's also a lot of guys who have been here quite a while now, more than you get from an average co- uh, coaching staff. Nor- normally, you don't get a chance to have these people stay because 
everybody gets fired, right? I mean, that's what happens in a league. The head coach and the whole staff get fired. All right. The other part of this is, though, just to bring it up, it is interesting, and someone pointed out to me, so I think it was Palacero or somebody reported the Bills did interview somebody for the defensive coordinator job, right? I can't remember who it was. It was the other day. There's there two. There's John Desai, the displaced and, Eagles defensive And then also Mike Caldwell have both reported. Okay. Yeah. Now, and you could definitely draw a natural line to say, if you're interviewing for defensive coordinator, you must be ready to hire a defensive coordinator. I don't think that's the case. I think because they have a vacant job, a vacant opening, they have to interview people. They have to do their due diligence. I, I'm not positive about this because I, we haven't really kind of been down this road before. I don't even think the league would let you not interview anybody, if that makes sense. Like, there's a there's an opening for a coordinator spot. you got to go through the process of interviewing people for a coordinator spot. At the end of the day, if you decide you're going to do it as the head coach, that's fine. But I think that they have to go through that process, basically. Does uh, timing matter on that? Because did they do that last year when Frazier left? Um, it's a good question. I'm not sure. I think timing okay. does matter. Yes, I think timing does matter on that, Joe. In fact, okay. there is something about the timing. I don't remember when it happened. Let's remember, Leslie Frazier was still under contract. He was going to take a year off. So there might have been some things in there where just kind of the wording and sure. the language. It's a good question, though. But I, timing does matter on things like that. I'm not sure exactly what that timing is because I do know that um, you know, once you get to a certain point, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can just kind of hire in house because the league knows it's just all the, the you right. have to you have to move right. Basically. Like if you fire a guy middle of the season, they're not making you interview guys. And such Correct. Stuff. That's yeah. exactly okay. right. Yes. All right, Sal. Thanks for the update. You guys got it. Thanks, Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline on the Bills coaching maneuvers. Bobby Babich, maybe. We'll see what the Bills do, a defensive coordinator, if they hire someone, if someone else is calling plays. But uh, Joe Brady, of course, we know he is sticking around for another season. It's Jeremy and Joe, 803-0550. We waited long enough. Joe, are you finally ready to really dig into Dan Campbell's decision-making? Yes. Should we do it? We should definitely, definitely. Every uh, debate show is going hard on fourth downs, fourth downs. We'll give you our takes. Let's have yours, 803-0550 on WGR. Did. And it's a lesson learned. And look, I told those guys, this may have been all we shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I, I know how hard it is to get here. I, I'm well aware it's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. That's the reality. And if we don't have the same hunger and the same work, which is a whole other thing, once we get the offseason, then we got no shot of getting back here. I don't care how much better we get or what we add or what we drive. It's irrelevant. It's going to be tough. But in our division, is going to be loaded back up. You know, you're not hiding from anybody anymore. Everybody's going to want a piece of you, which is fine. So it's hard. You want to make the most of every opportunity. And we, we had an opportunity, and we just couldn't close it out. Lions coach Dan Campbell poured out for a real one right there. Good to hear a head coach that knows it might have been our only shot. You never know if you're going to get back here. That's realistic. It's good. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about Dan Campbell's decisions. And then I asked Joe a question in the break that... What was the question? I already forgot. I remember I said, you want to play a game? Yes. Would you like to play a game? Should we do that before Dan Campbell? Yeah, why not? Sure. All right, everybody. Would you like to play a game? Do the Bills win the Super Bowl if Zay Flowers is their draft pick this year? Now, Zay Flowers had a fumble. He did. And he had a taunting penalty. Yep, he did that too. But here are the Bills. 
The only thing they're really missing down the stretch, and the thing they're missing against the Chiefs, of course, a healthy defense, but they're missing explosive plays. And here's Zay Flowers, who is basically made entirely of explosive plays, Mm -hmm. and he went explosive over the Chiefs the whole day. When I watched that game yesterday, in between my feelings of anger, misery, bitterness, uh, just general I I thought... Look at all these explosive plays. And if the Bills had added Zay Flowers to Mm. this group, I mean, Shakir maybe doesn't pop the same way. Maybe Shakir... No, he might. He might. Maybe. Maybe Shakir in a full-time role isn't isn't quite Zay Flowers, but he's pretty good. But Zay Flowers is a guy that does play all three levels. He can play out. He, He does everything you need. Yep. What? I'm hesitant to answer anything but yes. Like, I think, right, what else were they missing on offense? It's exactly what they need, did, and still need. Well, basically, do they beat the Chiefs? Right, sure. Is what I get to. That's right. And and I think they do, right? Like, I had – how did they lose that game by three? Like, one of the reasons is their quarterback made throws down the field that his wide receivers didn't pull in. And I've got a guy yesterday that was doing that. And is even, by the way, is more open than the Bills guys were. Yes. Like, as much as Diggs dropped the ball, it's an amazing throw by Allen because the the safety kind of falls as Diggs is there. When Allen throws that ball to Diggs that he ends up dropping, he's not open. Not really. Like, he's a little bit open. Zay Flowers is running 10 yards past his guy. That's, I mean, well, on one, the other one was broken coverage, right? Yep. But the same thing, like speed-wise. But he's a coverage breaker. And look, he's yeah. a Like, look how open he is down the field. The Bills guys, even the Diggs one, like, Allen's still going to make a perfect pass. Lamar Jackson underthrew Zay Flowers by 20 yards on the second one, and he still made it into a 50-yard pass because he was so open down the field. So, did they beat the Chiefs with Zay Flowers? I think they beat the Chiefs with Zay Flowers. Do they go to the Super Bowl? I think they're in the Super Bowl. I don't know Listen, if I want to say they we, beat the Niners. I think but. We, we all have to confront the reality that the injuries to the defense would have been monumental to overcome. But how do you overcome but, that? What? Well, here's the thing, Joe. Would Bernard have been healthy by the next week? It seemed like it, the way he, you know, we heard about him pushing Would Brazil Douglas have been a little healthier by the next week? Would mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, again, how do you overcome defensive injuries like that? Score points. <laughs> You're, the way to overcome that is not get your get a great game out of your fifth-string linebacker. It's go score 30. That's how you do it. And the thing missing most in order to do that for them was a guy like Zay Flowers. Or Jordan Addison, too, by the way. There were multiple guys like that. I really like to believe they would have done that, by the way, had they yeah. had the chance. 803-0550. One eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. We keep pushing off the Dan Campbell conversation, but you know, I've got, I'm going to defend him for the next eight months. I've got no problem with anything he did, uh, except for the timeout at the end of the game. Yes, that's right. Except for the third yeah. down carry. I mean, as you're talking here about taking three and how important it is to take three, get three. I'm thinking I asked that Sean McDermott should have gone for fourth and nine instead of kicking the tying <laughs> field goal. So. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes against these teams that are going to put up points in these big moments, like I have no problem with anything Dan Campbell did, other than yes, the third down run that forced them to use a timeout. I'm glad he's like the uh, the analytics king, can, can the I... aggressive fourth down guy now, because Brandon Staley 
I don't know, just the way Staley looks even, right? Like, he got called a nerd repeatedly. You're, you're so right. You're so and, right. To this point, Gene Battaglia in Rochester. Hey, Gene, if you're listening, love you. Great work. He tweeted uh, about Dan Campbell's decision-making as machismo. Machismo. And the funny part is, like, math is now machismo. Uh-huh. Look at Dan Campbell up there. And, by the way, when Campbell, here's the other thing. When Dan Campbell goes to the podium and says why he did it, what's his answer? He didn't say anything about numbers. No, I know. He didn't say right. anything about math. What he said was, I believed in our guys. It felt right. Right. He just went gutalytics. He's doing gutalytics. He went gutalytics yeah. aggressive. And, and that yet- might be what he always does, by the way. I wonder, because he is, right, at the end of the day, all like win probability added. He lapped these three coaches yep. that he was, like, he was there in this game, I found three regular season games that they won where you could directly correlate that they won because they converted on fourth downs where they went for touchdowns instead of field goals. Three games, which, by the way, is how much they made the playoffs by. And Campbell lapped guys on that. But remember what he did against Dallas when he went for the two-point conversion yeah. from the seven? The the analytics guys said were don't hard kick there. Yeah, they said don't you do, do that. You do not go for it there, and he went for it anyway. So, does he have a math guy in his ears? Because against Dallas, the math guy would have been screaming at him, "Do not go for this! Do not go for this!" And he had his offense on the field. Is Dan Campbell not Josh Allen as a coach? <laughs> Come on, that's pretty good. There's a little bit he of kind of is. He's yeah. going to play like that, and sometimes not going to work. Yeah, but, but ride or die. Ride right? or die, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Doug and Tonawanda. Hey, Doug, good morning. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call and enjoy the show. I, I listen uh, when I'm not at work. My boss doesn't let me listen, which he did. But in any case, this is like the Super Bowl of the NFL, Covets. You've got a West Coast team. Uh, it's in Vegas. I know you can do online betting, but uh, it's close for a trip to hit the casinos, et cetera. And, of course, you got the Swifties um, and the KC fans. So I just thought I'd um, hang up and see what you guys think. I don't think that. And if I thought that, I would never watch the sport again. That's what I think about that. Yeah. There were two conspiracies going into this game, and one of them had to die. The yeah. logo conspiracy has, yeah. died, has died. Yeah. The logo was red and purple, which meant it was supposed to be the Ravens. That, yep. that died. So now it's the Swiftie conspiracy if i thought any of that were real i would never watch a sport again and i can't believe anybody could seriously believe they would do that stuff there's another conspiracy actually i shouldn't say i couldn't stranger things have happened but if i believe that i wouldn't watch anymore have you seen the schreiger conspiracy by the way that he picks the super bowl winners every year and And that the nfl tells him before the season and that he's he's correctly predicted five straight super bowl winners and this would be six i think if the chiefs win it like before the season we're just conspiracies are just like how hard is it Chiefs, Chiefs, Bucks, Chiefs, Rams. Like <laughs> he just picks the just pick yeah. the Chiefs. He's just picking Brady and Mahomes. Right, Brady and Mahomes. You know, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna the get, Rams won. Yeah, I'm like, gonna get weird this year. Yeah, and he that just, was their first year with Stafford. So yes, yeah, I think that's gonna work, and then it did work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think much of it. Taylor Swift, by the way, I do believe is going to be there, despite the fact that she has a concert in Tokyo the day before. Someone did the math. Her concert is supposed this. to end at like midnight on the tenth, but it'll be six a.m. the tenth in Vegas. Right. And if she takes a thirteen-hour flight, she'll land at eight p.m. the tenth in Vegas. Therefore, she'll be twenty-four right. hour, twenty-four-ish she, hours ahead of the right. Super Bowl. She'll take off the morning of the eleventh, the morning of the Super Bowl. She'll go back in time, flying to Vegas, and land on the tenth again. Well, what can't this woman do? 
She's literally she can, going into she, a time machine uh, to go to the Super Bowl. I just assuming she'll go. Started laying out the times of that. I made an <laughs> internal decision in my brain. She's like, just keep nodding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, she will take off on February 11th and uh, land on February 10th in Las Vegas. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. That shouldn't be allowed. The international dateline works in mysterious ways. This is the plot of this is the <laughs> this is the plot of Interstellar, right? Matthew McConaughey's kind of about flying over the internet. Anyway, uh, 8030550. On Campbell, I feel so bad for the Lions. So bad. I wanted them to win that so bad. Of all I the plays, them to win that he makes decisions to numbers. to put them in a better chance, better position to win. And then Josh Reynolds dropped the ball. That's it. Josh Reynolds catches a ball. They win. Jameer Gibbs a fumble on first down on the next possession. Like, he needed to go all out though. I needed him to go for the the touchdown and the end of the half. No, didn't do that. If he does that, you want to just play out the rest of the game and assume nothing's different, like you often get in these conversations. If Dan Campbell, you won't hear this today from a lot, like Rex Ryan's on TV right now. I right. doubt you'll hear it from him. Uh, if he goes for it on fourth down at the end of the half and scores a touchdown, I know I'm giving them the touchdown there, but they win the football game. You're allowed to give them the touchdown because when you're talking about field goals, people just give them the field goal right? Despite, on a 48-yarder for I a think, guy that hits like 75%. Yeah, it's it was like 72%, I thought, maybe, or something like that. Like We're just assuming... 70-whatever percent is 100 when it comes to field goals, but we don't do it when it comes to touchdowns, even though it's I, it's, I don't know. I'm glad he's our champion, though, as we uh, as we get back to that. 803-0550. We're going to break in. Butch, to your call on the other side. Jeremy and Joe here on WGR. Oh, we're going to sneak in some instant trivia. Instant trivia. Let's do it. Brought to you by... The Farmer's Dog, fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. Instant trivia. The Niners advanced to the Super Bowl with Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy at quarterback. Seventh-round pick. Can you give me in the last 20 years the other the other six quarterbacks drafted outside the top two rounds that made the Super Bowl. Ooh. Six quarterbacks that made the Super Bowl not picked in the first two rounds of the draft. And we're going back to what year? The last 20 years, so we're talking 2004. Okay, so the last 20 years, how many quarterbacks that were not drafted? How many? Six. Six. Russell Wilson. Correct. Third round pick. Tom, Russell Br- Wilson. Tom Brady. Sixth round pick, of course. Yeah. Uh, was Kurt Warner undrafted? Kurt he made Warner it, yeah. undrafted, yep. All right. With the Cardinals. With the Cardinals. Within that time span. Uh, Nick Foles. No, Nick, he's... Yes. Yeah, third round pick. Okay. Third round pick of the Eagles. Nick Foles. Left and then came back. Okay, have two left? Two left. Uh, Brock Purdy, seventh, of course. This is going to be really close on the timeline. I don't think it is because it might be right at 2004. Jake DeLome? Jake DeLome okay. is correct. He was undrafted. Yeah. Jake Him DeLome. and Warner, I think... Were they the only undrafted ones ever? I think I saw they were the only undrafted ones ever. So one more. Kind of cheating, because in the early days, like Daryl LaMonica was a 24th round pick and made the <laughs> Super Bowl in like the 70s. All right, one more. One more. One. Outside the top two rounds. Okay, it's not going to be an AFC quarterback, because it was all... It was all three guys. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an NFC quarterback. Yep. While you think of that, there were a lot of second uh, Okay, going well, back... Well, no, actually, I don't want to give those away. No, going back too far, and he also, he was a high enough pick... Um, about the round? No, no, no. Okay. Let me just look at the NFC and take a and get an idea here. 
is where I write in NFC teams. Into- <laughs> Guys from before this timeline, by the way, Stan Humphreys, Frank Reich, although he wouldn't have started, Mark Rippon, Jeff Hostetler, of course. I'm going to get the answer. Montana was a third-round pick. I'm going to get this answer. It's going to be easily forgettable that this guy went to a Super Bowl. Uh, easily forgettable. It's going to be Brad Johnson. No. no only... too, far back. too far back. Hold on. Let me do it yeah, again. Yeah, he was one round. Too far back. Ninth-round pick, though, for yeah. Brad Johnson. But no, he was the year before. So was Rich Gannon, by the way. They played each other as late-round picks. All right. NFC team, not the Cowboys, not the Giants. Both are Eli. Eagles is Foles and who's there? Is it an Eagle? McNabb. Right. So it's not him. Second over. Commanders, no. Bears, no. Lions, no. Packers, no. You skipped past the Bears. I thought you might guess Grossman, but he was first a first round pick. He was a first round yeah, pick. First round yeah. pick. Vikings, no. Falcons is Matt Ryan. Right. Panthers. You already that's got DJ Cologne. And then Newton. Saints, Breeze. Yep. Bucks. No. It's Brady. You already got him. Cardinals, Kurt Warner. Yep. Rams. It's really going to be like the last team he says, isn't it? <laughs> I already said Russell Wilson. Uh-huh. Niners. It's another Niner? Nope. Rams? Nope. You just you just, you just just said the team like two seconds ago. Cardinals. Nope. You were in the division. Seattle? Yep. Uh, Russell Wilson and Matt Hasselbeck. Matt Hasselbeck. <laughs> Sorry. The most forgettable yeah, Super Bowl quarterback was a sixth-round pick. Yeah. yeah. Matt Hasselbeck. All right. Don't Good. remember anything about that game. So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't that criticize game, you for not getting that. That game, to our previous caller who thought, you know, there's the league has things that they want, that's the game where the league fixed it for the Steelers to win. It was They bad. did? It was very bad. A horribly officiated game. It was it was awful. If you're a Seattle fan, go back and watch that one. If you if you're a Seattle fan, you think that you got robbed in that game. That the that the refs took it yeah. from Stravato took it from you. Who was the tight end? Maybe there's a he caught a touchdown, got called back on a holding penalty. Jeremy, Jeremy Stevens. That sounds like a person. Jeremy something. I think Jeremy Stevens is a UFC fighter. Uh he could also be. I want to say it was Jeremy J E R R A M Y, Jeremy. Jeremy Seahawks tight end. Yes, you are correct. Jeremy Stevens. Boom. It was Jeremy Stevens. A M Y. Well, he played for the Seahawks. Yeah. I was just more shocked that you got the spelling and the name correctly. Offensive pass interference. There you go. It was offensive pass interference that got called. All right. Let's. We got a video of that. Let's look at that. So I, what I what I found, man, maybe this is really true about this Super Bowl. I found a YouTube video that is nine minutes and fifty seven seconds long, called "Controversial Penalties in the Steelers yeah. Seahawks Super Bowl." Yeah. Wow. There you All go. right. I'm gonna have to read up on uh, this Super Bowl. Didn't did not remember this. All right. Good trivia. Brock Purdy. Open segment. Him. When we return, Butch, we'll get right to your call. Talk about these uh, Bills coaching changes coming, what's going to happen to the defensive coordinator, and also uh, you know, dig deep into Chiefs 49ers. i got, I got to get to the Niners, too, a little bit here. By the way, the, the 49ers and Chiefs played in the Super Bowl, and if Jimmy Garoppolo could complete a pass late, the Niners win. Yep. You know what? something else from this uh, Super Bowl between the Steelers and the Seahawks? Hmm. The refs are wearing white pants. Wait. They, have, they changed that? The officials are wearing white pants. Do they not normally? They normally wear black pants, right? Yeah. 
Have they ever worn white pants, or is this a thing that like they change game to game? It's a great question. Is there significance behind it? I don't, I don't know. I'm looking at Bill Vinovich in white pants. All the officials are wearing white pants. What a look. What color pants do officials normally wear? It's black? They're black now. Yeah. They definitely know wear white. But they're going to in the Super Bowl. No, they did in this Super Bowl. Oh. Between the Steelers and the Seahawks. I see. I see. I right. When did they switch that? I don't know. I'm learning all sorts of things in this segment. Even though I was the one that was running the <laughs> trivia, I learned more in the segment. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Here's Purdy with a lot of time. Steps into one. Watching deep, going for Brandon Ayuk. It is. Oh, he caught it off the ricochet. Penalty. Is he in? Hit him right in the face mask. Here's Purdy. Looking. Firing in. Joe caught. Ayuk. Touchdown. And there it is. The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Jackson. The Flowers. He dies. The ball came out. Recovered by Kansas City. He's heading back to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years and a chance to become the first team since New England of 2003 and four to go back to back. Grumble with us. Be mad with us. Grumble Monday. Grumble Monday. You're listening to Jeremy and Joe on Western New York Sports Giant. WGR Sports Radio 550. Boy, Brock Purdy sure made a lot of plays in that second half. Scrambled a bit. Yeah. Yep, and he, he did. He he's good. in the Super Bowl with the 49ers to play the Chiefs. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Happy Monday. I'm less grumbly than I was. But I did have something to bring up for you. From which game was it? Ah, I just said something was top, it the, top the, of mind. The Niners were very aggressively making sure everybody knew that Brock Purdy's not just a game manager after, oh, the, after the game was over. A couple things. State of announcing today. So Greg Olson, maybe you don't get a chance to see a lot of Greg Olson. Maybe yeah. you saw him on the NFC Championship game. Greg Olson is a very good color analyst. Mm-hmm. Do you know the thing that makes him really, really, really good? What's that? He lives in the year 2024, mm-hmm. not 1987. Yep. That's it. Yeah. He understands the game as it's played today. Yep. When the Lions are going for their fourths, he tells you why. Yeah. Do you know, doesn't even make it that complicated, and that's why he's good. And an odd thing is going to happen in the next six months. I'd like to make my next bet. You know, I made my Aaron Rodgers will claim he was ready to be cleared right after the <laughs> Jets get out of the playoffs, and he's going to – this is all a charade, and sure enough it was. I mean, that wasn't exactly a bold take. Did he do that, by the way? No, he didn't exactly do that. He kind of did. Though, Once right? they got eliminated from the playoffs – they added him to the 53, yeah. and he said he'd been working hard, but now there's nothing to play for. Okay, whatever. So it's like not exactly right. He's got time still to I, I got a prediction for you on Brady because I've just never been convinced Brady wants this job. I don't think Tom Brady wants that job. Why does he want it? Why does he want it? He wants to travel yeah. around and be the number one color analyst on Fox for the rest of time? I've never believed he really wants it. Mm-hmm. And he's about to supplant Greg Olson, who I think it's not quite universal praise, but, you know, the job of being an announcer in the NFL is everyone telling you you stink. We do that all the time. Yeah. Greg Olson's really good. He's about to be demoted for a guy that's never done it ever. Yeah. Yeah. And has never said anything that's all that interesting. 
right. Not not that I've, you know, even his podcast, Bra- like the clips you get aren't even that interesting. Brady's going to go in there and be Tony Romo light. He'll say even less would be my 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 guess. We'll see if Fox goes with Tom Brady as their number one analyst. Did you see Olsen, by the way, get into it with Michael Wilbon on this kind of stuff last week? On, like, the analytics stuff? I did, because Michael Wilbon is, in this moment, about the analytics stuff, blah, blah, blah. He's being live, a, He's deciding to yeah. live in 1992. He's being a curmudgeon. You can yeah. just learn, or you don't have to. And, you know, as someone, Joe, that is growing older and older, and you'll tell me about something, and I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to take the time to learn about that. <laughs> There's a defense there. Just... Rather than yelling about it, just say, like, you know what, I don't have time to learn that. Because that's what Wilbon did then. And Olsen responded. He said, further proof of how vital it is that announcers continue to educate the viewers. It's the way the game is being played, and it's here to stay. Like, he's even saying, like, I'm trying to educate people on why why this is happening. Rather than just be mad and, like, yell at the clouds that, like, oh, what are these guys all doing now going for fourth downs? Like, Olsen's out there trying to tell you why they're doing it. Right? That's it. And you need more. Can I get more of that? I liked Romo at his best when he. I felt like he was teaching me something about the game. I like the Manning cast, not even because of the sideshow. Some people like that part of it because you know Schwarzenegger's on there with a donkey. It. I like it more because I feel like I learned something from Peyton Manning every time I, yeah. I watch the game, and I legitimately feel like that with Olson too. Like he's a part of that. He's fresh out of the game too, so yeah. I think that matters in this equation as well. He he was he on. Yeah, Fox yesterday for Lions and Niners. Yep. So he would have been making the case, right, about why the Lions did what they did. Absolutely. Was he criticizing them for not doing it at the end of the first half? I don't remember. That was when I was with a sick child, so I did not see the end of the first half. I only knew about it yep. after reading that they could have gone for a field goal, could have gone for the fourth down. It's the three-yard line. By the way, the Niners is, uh, you know, good for Brock Purdy. He was great in the second half. He has been very good all season. Really, the Packer game was like maybe his only bad game of the year. And I guarantee you we were all – a lot, not all, but a lot of people were saying the exact same things about, oh, he's not actually a game manager. See, he's in the Super Bowl about Jimmy Garoppolo four years ago. Yeah. Exact same thing. Not saying he's at he's exactly Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's better than Garoppolo. I think he did some things with his feet yesterday. He's not Lamar Jackson, obviously, but he did some things with his feet that Jimmy Garoppolo was never going to do in his life. But I want Kyle Shanahan got to a Super Bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo got figured out by the Chiefs in the second half, missed a throw down the field to Emmanuel Sanders, and then the next day basically told his general manager, I, I need somebody that can do everything. Mm-hmm. And then they I'm just saying, that. if Brock Purdy is the same Super Bowl, I, Kyle Shanahan could get back in a year to, I need a guy that does everything. So I'm not just crowning Purdy today. Like he's, in a, he's a great quarterback, an elite quarterback in oh. the league. He's fine. He's good, but I think Shanahan could get back to the same place very easily. Absolutely. Also shows the gulf between some of the great coaches and some of the not so great coaches in this league. Kyle Shanahan's taking Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy to Super Bowls. Yep, it's pretty impressive. I will I, also I, say I, though. I, hold on. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. This could be a criticism of Shanahan. I don't even mean it to be. It could be more of a criticism of Purdy. Of well, he's not a game manager. The whole NFC is game managers, right? There is no Mahomes in the NFC. There's uh, no Burrow in the NFC. There's no Allen in the NFC. There's no Herbert in the NFC. It's Stafford and Jordan Love now, and Jordan Love now, who should have beaten the Niners. Yeah, I was just going to say it shows the gulf between coaches and coaches because here Kyle Shanahan has gotten Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo to Super Bowls. 
and I won't finish the rest of that sentence for like some pretty darn good quarterbacks out there that have yet to be to a Super Bowl. Now they have to go through Mahomes, so that's part of it. I mentioned it's NF- a bi- it's a big part. The of it. NFC side of it, you know, he might end up being zero and two in Super Bowls, but the big huge elephant in the room is like I almost want to. Not that I I resent some of this conversation, but if you come out of that championship Sunday saying like, "Well, Josh is better than Lamar," I want to be like, "Well, great, hang a banner. Who mm-hmm. cares? Who cares?" And if if we we, we got to stop living in that world where we're constantly debating whether or not Josh is better than some other quarterback that's also not winning Super Bowls. <laughs> There's no banners for that. Allen's great. We know it. Time to get eyes on the actual prize as opposed to just, wow, I can't believe Lamar's going to win the MVP. He's a fraud. All right. Okay. It's time to stop caring about the MVP. It's time to stop caring about everything except for the Super Bowl. And every every time the Bills don't win it, we have to ask why. And if the answer is not Josh Allen, then what are the answers? It's the weapons weren't good enough. Why? Because they drafted too many defensive players and missed Mm-hmm. Well, the coach blew it again. All right. Joe Brady. Like, I'm looking at Joe Brady right now. Joe Brady is my current franchise savior. Mm-hmm. I said here earlier, like, the job is to be as good as Andy Reid. I'm hoping Joe Brady, which is something that when he got hired, I said there's a there's a small possibility that he is the next up-and-coming young wonder kid prodigy. When he got hired as quarterback coach or as a as just his, Just his entire career arc. Okay, yeah. Because he got a job young, and he's succeeded on the college level, and his first go-round in the NFL didn't work, and maybe his second go-round in the NFL works a lot better. Like, Kyle Shanahan was not great right out of the gate. Right. He was with the Commanders, Washington at the time, the Redskins at the time. Then the Browns Browns, with, like, Manziel. And now he's like, oh, you are going to have a good offense if you have Kyle Shanahan. He's going to just absolutely run the show. And it doesn't. And one thing that he might have that almost nobody else does is it's quarterback proof. It looks to be. Yeah, Nick Mullins has the ha, this stat shouldn't exist, but it does, and it's a Shanahan stat. Mahomes has the most passing yards in NFL history in his first sixteen starts. Nick Mullins is second. I mean, come, that's Shanahan. Yeah, eight hundred three hundred five fifty on the Bills, on the Chiefs and Ravens, and Dan Campbell decision making. Dan Campbell, all of it. Butch on the East Side. Good morning, Butch. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you so much for taking my call, WGR. I love you, and of all the fans and listeners, I love you as well. I'm going to get right into it. And uh, this past weekend, gentlemen, showed me how good my football team was based off watching these two games. And the reason why I say that, I know our situation, I know our problems, and we have the opportunity to move in the right direction to build this football team to go ahead and get to these Super Bowls on a continuous basis. reason why I say that <clears throat> Josh Allen's been with us five years. I've watched many times that he, at their, that side of the ball, has put up enough points where they thought they was going to win the game and they'll be sitting on the sidelines and the cameras will show them as the defense is getting ran over or moved up the field saying, if y'all could just stop and we can win the game. If y'all could stop and we can win the game. <clears throat> this year was the final straw for me. And hopefully uh, Sean McDermott can wake up and put his ego to the side and understand that He has done a great job, and he's still a good head coach. But his philosophy when he came from Carolina and the style of defense that he's ran for five years is not good enough in today's time. You just were speaking about Greg Olson, and you were talking about playing in 
today's game. Today's game is the game. You have young players. I watched these two games uh, this past weekend and watched all the young rookies that was on the field playing, and we have so much talent that we're not using because of the old-fashioned ways of playing my buddies. Don't believe me? We were 6-6. Six and six. We had Daquan Jones was, was on the injured reserve, wasn't even ready yet. We came back like a storm roaring. As soon as Daquan Jones became eligible to play, Sean McDermott put the old buddy back in the game and gave him majority of the snaps and forgot how the other defensive lineman was in rotation and getting us there. We had no pressure against Kansas City. Baltimore pressured, pressured Mahomes. They only got 17 points. I'll put that to the shelf. I want to get to where I really called you. Mike, Mike Caldwell is the perfect opportunity to play him, put him as a defensive coordinator. He played under Todd Bowles. He played in the Philadelphia system. He played in the attack game. You have Sean Desai, who also you can bring over here to add to that, to, to that defensive side of Bowles, also has a background in special teams, which is a kind of a weakness for us that we can bring him in. And Sean McDermott can move over to just as a supervisor and as a coach and let Joe Brady run the offense, let Mike, Mike, Mike uh, Caldwell run the defense, along with Sean Desai, along with added what you have. The only thing Joe Brady needs to add to what he's doing, he needs a good wide receivers coach because we lost one before and we had a fill-in now. This is why Gabe Davis doesn't know how to run routes, and this is why some of the wide receivers that we had kind of struggled this past year is because of the wide receivers coach. But we have two, and I'm going to leave you with this. We have two wide receivers that's ready to play. One is 6'4", his name is Justin Shorter, out of Florida. The other one is Tyrell, Tyrell Shavers out of San Diego State who came out of Alabama. He's 6'6". And along with Shakir, Kareel I mean, uh, Shakir, we got those three, man. You can move on for you can move on from Diggs and Butch. Absolutely not, man. No way. What I just l- happened? Tyrell l- Shavers and we're moving on from Diggs. I like Tyrell Shavers in camp quite a bit in the preseason. He was my guy. So there's the compliment to Shavers. He's better than Justin Shorter was in the preseason, by just, the way. Uh no. Just we're, no, we're, no, 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 no. We're, we're we're not doing that. We're we're not. Not, By the way, we're not doing that thing where, oh, there's diamonds in the rough in the Bills' back pocket. KJ Hamler, Justin Shorter, and Tyrell Shavers. That'll be your new receiving core. We're not doing that. No. I will leave. <laughs> I will be done. I will be. I'll, I'll be the next Ryan Gates right now. Gates quit when they drafted Josh Allen. Although this is significantly less likely that they roll out a yeah. receiving core without digs and they go with. Tyrell Shavers, Justin, Justin Shorter, Shorter, and, and KJ Hamler. Oh yeah, but if that happens, I will, I will, I will be done with this. I will no longer sit in this chair. There's my promise to you. It's my vow to you. I wouldn't. I... The receivers coach, by the way, is the, the guy that worked with Beckham forever. This isn't like a no. This guy's good. Yeah, Adam Henry. This isn't like when um. It's another one of the reasons we thought Beckham might come here. Which, yeah, by the way, right. maybe he will for like $4 million. Maybe there's yeah. your one-year yeah. $6 million guy. Beckham? Yeah. He showed interest in the past. He came here for a visit. He did not have numbers that's going to make you he know get him a giant contract. No, he didn't have a $15 million season, but he could be a nice depth piece for some team out there. He would have helped the Bills on Sunday, or last Sunday, wouldn't he have? More so than, than Trent Sherfield would have. Yeah, probably. They, they, can't, they can't go cheap. They can't go cheap. What the remember the Packers for a decade did the same thing with Devontae Adams as like they had Devontae Adams as their number one receiver. And it became a thing that every year 
the Packers were, hey, they need a receiver. Oh, this receiver's available. They need the Packers need a number two for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, let's mock the Packers to get a, a wide receiver two behind Devontae Adams. And for like 10 years, they never did it. They always went cheap. And every year, they needed another one. And they, right, they finally did it once Rodgers was gone. And, oh, look, they're all really good. It's not a not a coincidence. You got to invest in the position at least a little bit. You can't go that cheap. And I don't expect that the Bills will. They talked like they know this. I want to. I want to. I feel more confident and more willing and able to like break down these receivers for the next four months because the Bills sounded like at their end of season press conference that guys we get it. We we yeah, know but, we've got to do this. There's a salary cap, so you can't do everything you want. You do the best you can. We have two teams in the NFL right now that are that remain standing. One of them has arguably one of the best quarterbacks of all time, with one of the best play callers of all time. The other one has perhaps the best set of weapons ever constructed, with one of the best play callers of all time. Yeah, at least in the league today. Sure, for for the Niners, they have everything. The they Niners have. have everything. Two incredible receivers. Brandon Ayuk is one. Brandon Ayuk's the best receiver in the NFC, and he's secondary on his own team because Debo is so unique. Mm-hmm. Kittle doesn't even get a target till the third quarter. He's an All-Pro tight end. They just don't even need sometimes. He has games where he blocks because they just don't even need him. McCaffrey and is a, McCaffrey, is a course, Hall of yeah. Famer. Yeah. Yeah, their we- their weapons, man, are nice. Unreal. They're so they're so good. And they are. They are the you, perfect. You, you, you look at that NFC team and you think we'll get by with Justin Shorter and Tyrell Shavers. <laughs> By the way, I do, I do want to say I did like Shavers. Mm-hmm. Shorter did. I didn't see anything from Shorter in the preseason at all. He was at one point a highly touted prospect, but and they're not going to do that. They're just. They're not. They're not. They're not going to do it. They got to know. If there's one thing we know about the Bills and how they've drafted, you know, for as much as it's. You know, every team in the league will talk like this. It's, well, best player on our board. We're not just going to draft for need, you know. It's best player on our board. Yet the Bills consistently do draft for need. When they needed a corner, what did they do? They drafted Kyrie Elam. Yep. When they needed a defensive end, defensive end. what they did they do? They end. drafted two defensive ends. Really, the only time they didn't do it is when we thought middle linebacker was like a glaring hole. And they took a tight end. And they took a tight end. So that's really the only time I feel like that's happened where their biggest need, they actually passed on it. I think, you know, the corner example for when Tredavious White was hurt, they need a corner. What else are they going to do? That's receiver right now. It's what else are you going to do if you don't pick one? And if it's going to be a copycat league, go copy the 49ers. They invested. They spent a first in Ayuk. They spent a second on Debo Samuel. Like, they went and they hit. And you can't hit on these guys if you don't take swings. Even if you reach a little bit, you got to take your swings. You cannot go into the season without taking a swing at that position. And I don't know how the Niners, and even the Lions yesterday. The Lions should be an example of this, too, because their defense got picked apart. They got there, I know I've said a couple times, they got there because of their coach and their the fourth down decision making. They were in that game because of that yesterday. But they also were in that position because, same thing, right play caller and... You can throw the great offensive line in if you want, but they hit on their weapons. They hit on their weapons. Amonra St. Brown is an elite wide receiver. And Jamison Williams has really come on late. He was a first-round pick. They hit on Sam Laporta. They hit on Jameer Gibbs. Same thing. Their skill position players are awesome, too. Awesome. 
Except for Josh Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, rough, that he needed to catch that. Rough one there. Maybe they'll add T. Higgins. Maybe they'll add Michael Pittman. Who, the Lions? Yeah. Michael Pittman Jr. Maybe. I have Jameson Williams in Dynasty, so I would like, like for that to not happen. Because he's pretty good, right? I can, he almost handed an interception to a 49ers defensive back yes, on one. But. And he, he also dropped a go-ahead touchdown for them late. Williams did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right. The, the, when, the bomb that was on the left sideline. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't go as a drop. Well, I shouldn't say that. We don't talk about it as a drop if it goes through your hands and never touches them. But it went right through the basket and didn't touch his hands. If it doesn't touch your arm, it doesn't qualify no, as a drop? No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying we don't generally talk about I it see, as a yeah. drop. He just... He whiffed on it. Should have caught it. Mitchell in Buffalo is up next. Hey, Mitchell. Guys. Hey, morning. Uh, going forward um, in the next year, I'm pretty optimistic, but lost all that now that Sean McDermott seems like meant that he's going to be here as the head coach next year. I just don't see us having an edge. Other teams balls in the AFC and um, like every time we play Kansas City the edge between like quarterback and head coach play caller don't see what Sean McDermott does for us you know we've regressed since 2020 the AFC championship so I, I don't know I'm just not I'm not really optimistic going into here yeah uh, I guess. I think about that. Thanks, Mitchell. There's for me. There's a way to say this, and you know, maybe you think it's unfair to McDermott or not, and it it illustrates the high bar. When's the last time the Bills overachieved? It's 2020. 2020. Yeah. Now it's that's it. It's difficult for them to overachieve, but let's look at well, them overachieving is the Super Bowl, is it not? At this it's point, at least the AFC Championship game. At least. Yeah. Look at these teams here that are left. Are the Chiefs overachieving? Not really for their standard. No, because their standard is the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Are no. the Niners overachieving? Debatable. They're supposed to be really good, and they are. Yep. They made the NFC Championship game last year. Yep. Did the Lions overachieve? Yes. Definitely. Yes. Very much so. It's a great season for them. Mm-hmm. Did the Ravens overachieve? Sure. The conference yeah. The yeah. conference was supposed to be Bills, Bengals, Chiefs. Here's the Ravens, one seed, Going to win the MVP, change their coordinator, got to the championship game, and hosted it. That's overachieving. They probably would like to do more. In a division, by the way, where everybody had a winning record, they were yep. able to do that. Yeah. When's the last time the Bills overachieved? It is 2020. And it would just be nice. It's it's hard. It's it's setting the bar as high as you can. It's a little bit of a different spin on Super Bowl or bust. Next year, no matter what, overachieving starts at the AFC Championship game. Maybe you could spin it into, well, at 6-6, six and six, becoming the two-seed is overachieving. Like, okay, okay, you're digging yourself out of a hole you created. But I, I think that's it's a tough question to ask of these Bills, but I think it's the right question. I think it's the right thing to look at for their own standard, what it should be and where they need to go to prove it. 803-0550. The Chiefs have overachieved if you look at the whole era. What, four Super Bowls in five years? I mean, could you have foreseen that being like this? Did it had to go like this the moment Brady left the AFC? Like, he saw it coming. 2018 AFC Championship game. Oh, I got to get out of here. 
Let me go over to the NFC for the last couple years of my career, because look at this guy. He's about to rule the conference. I mean, they're overachieving in general because of how, you know, it's another dynasty. And it just happened immediately after New England was done. Like, that that's where my frustration lies this morning, is that there was no break in between. There was no parity. The other conferences had a ton of parity. 16, in the last 20 years, 16 different quarterbacks have made the Super Bowl in the NFC. It's six in the AFC. The the n- n- Maybe this will change, and it probably will, because this was supposed to be the conference with all these challenges and all this parity, because look at them all. Lamar Jackson's an athlete that we've never seen in our lives, and Josh Allen... I, Ross Tucker once called the most ath- the, the best athlete that's ever played that position, and he throws the ball like no one you've ever seen. And oh, look at Justin Herbert putting historic numbers up, and Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect that we've seen in 15 years, and C.J. Stroud's the best rookie quarterback that we've seen ever. All of these guys are just around the AFC. It was supposed to be parody, and nothing. It's just him. Jeremy Fowler reports the Panthers have interviewed Bills assistant special teams coach Corey Harkey for their special teams coordinator's job. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. I don't know how many snaps he played, but I just think mentally to get yourself back to the point where you feel comfortable doing that kind of thing and you know, obviously the physical parts, you don't need any explanation there, but I think mentally to get yourself ready to go back out there and feel good doing that, what we do, especially at his position, is it, pretty cool. Joe Flacco endorsing Tamar Hamlin, winning the Comeback Player of the Year from the Pro Football Writers Association. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. The last time the Niners made the Super Bowl, do you remember that NFC Championship game? Before they played the Chiefs? Hold on. Hmm. They, who did they beat? The Rams, probably. The Niners and Rams play all the time. Who did they beat? They beat the, why isn't the team up here? They beat the, yeah, the Packers. Packers in the AFC cha- NFC Championship game. Yeah. Was that in San Francisco or in Green Bay? It was in San Francisco. Is this the one where the, no, that was a game against the Bucks. So, one very key difference that I omitted when comparing Garoppolo and Purdy, and like I, I still think that the the future could end up looking the exact same. Purdy's the reason they came back in that game yesterday. Like he made plays with his feet, he made throws, he, he one did, off of a helmet well, he, of a say, defender, he got lucky one off of someone's face. Jimmy Garoppolo's stat line in their NFC Championship game when they advanced to the Super Bowl: six of eight for seventy-seven yards. That's the truest of game manager games you've ever seen in your life. They ran the ball 42 times in that game <laughs> against the Packers to advance to the Super Bowl. And this one yesterday was more about Purdy. Hey, like, credit where credit's due. Not the biggest fan of him, but the Niners' record, I think it's a sh- more of a Shanahan stat, right? Where their record coming from behind, like, they never do it. They never come from behind. Like, 1-30, in 30, something like that. And they were down 17 in that game yesterday and found their way back. So credit where credit's due on that. They threw the ball well. They got lucky because one went off a guy's face. They got, they, they got a miracle catch. They got yeah. a fumble recovery. Those are two big plays. Yep. 
to join us. Uh, I have a Sabres thing to mention in a moment. Adam and Silver Creek first, though. Hey, Adam, good morning. Hey, guys. Uh, happy Misery Monday. <laughs> Misery Monday. Um, yep. Just uh, just in terms of Joe Brady, you know, being promoted, um, you know, there's – to be blunt, I don't, I don't care for the move. Um, you know, when he came on, you know, we saw more of an emphasis on running the football, controlling more time of possession, limiting our possessions in turn. You know, you keep Josh Allen on the field making less plays smart and I'm just curious like it, I didn't hear anything about it but there was no interviewing any other potential candidates and they, they interviewed they interviewed Thad Lewis former Bills quarterback who was uh, with the box they interviewed Thad Lewis and was there anybody else Joe I don't I think that was I, it yeah, might have been it okay awesome <laughs> um, so I guess my, my question is you know and I don't know I don't know how it works in the NFL so Rivera was fired in Washington, can they interview? Could could they have interviewed the enemy? They could have. Yes, yeah. and thanks, Adam, for bringing this up. We mentioned on Friday. I mean, I, I was hopeful that the enemy would get at least interviewed. As McDermott said, I cut my teeth with Andy Reid and pass first. The guy that used to do that with Andy Reid is available, and they did not interview him. Mm-hmm. So my guess is, you know, without necessarily accusing it of being some sort of sham hiring process. They were going to go look for candidates, and they were always going to land on Joe Brady. Yep. Yep. That'd they, be my they, guess. they were satisfied with the job he did, continuity, right? Like, yeah. They When they hire him as quarterback coach, my I think I said this the day they did that, this is your next offensive coordinator. Like you, that that's a position where I would expect the same thing. If they hire, and I would expect that they will, hire their next quarterback coach, with a with a mind towards, all right. Well, at, at, at the time it was because I thought Dorsey would get a head coaching job, not that he would get fired. But same thing here. Uh, if Joe Brady's going to get a head coaching job at some point, I need my quarterback coach to be somebody that I can see being my next offensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, here's one way to put it about Brady right now. Let's rank the most important people in the Bills having the best offense in football next year. Okay. Number one. Josh Allen. Number two. Mm, Joe Brady. That's what I would say. I was thinking about Diggs. It would have previously been Diggs easy. Allen one, Diggs two. Right now I think Joe Brady is the second most important person for this offensive whole operation. The reason I was thinking about is because Diggs being a question mark, more so than in past years in terms of the caliber of play you're getting. Because that's a if, if if he is what he was in the second half of this year, that's trouble. It's only trouble if Joe Brady's no good. If Joe Brady's good, it doesn't matter. It might. What if he's not? Uh, well, I guess what you're saying is if Brady's good, then Diggs can't look like what he did at this. Like well, if, if they draft the receiver and the offense is, looks better uh, passing the ball, they're not running the ball as much because that was circumstance, then then I don't have to worry about Diggs because Brady is not going to let that happen again. Right. Yeah, okay. He won't let that happen. They'll have other pieces. He'll design his offense, and it'll be great. You can't double him on every play. I mean, Stephon Diggs has been the best receiver in football with the Bills for a couple years, or one of them. He's put up more catches and numbers and whatever. Prior to this 
little six, seven game swoon. He'd been dominant since he showed up Mm -hmm. and the bills have fallen short on offense and in big games, you know, sometimes it's the defense lets them down. Sometimes you wish there was one more play here or there. So I need Brady to go into that off season meeting room and say, (laughs) you, you kind of wish that he said something along the lines of like, I I don't want this job unless we're drafting a receiver early. (laughs) Yeah. Would would he want assurances? I mean, he gets the job. He he probably wants to be a head coach too, right? Like a lot of these guys do. Climb the ladder, see how it goes. Well, and this is how you uh, this is how you do it, right? You, this goes well for you, and then you end up being a head coach. But it has to go. It has to go well for you. Like Dorsey, for instance. Like Dorsey getting the Cleveland job. Like that's not as good. Uh I think it'll because he won't get the credit if, well, if he's it not, goes. That's right. He's not calling plays. That's that's what I mean. Like if he but, wants to be a head coach, I'm Joe Brady. Above, we got to get our uh, we'll get our coach draft together. Uh, Joe Brady on my board ahead of Ken Dorsey, obviously because Dor- if the Bills' offense is number one in football next year, Joe Brady gets all the credit. If the Browns' offense is number one in football next year, Kevin Stefanski, Stefanski gets, gets all the credit. credit for sure. Yeah, I do think it's a good job for Dorsey. Good for him to get that job. And one thing the Browns have the Bills don't. Not that I love it. The Browns, I think, know who they are on offense. Kevin Stefanski. Right knows what he's doing mm-hmm. and they're a run heavy team they have been for a while their running back got hurt they brought in joe flacco they brought in joe flacco and threw the ball all over the yard yeah like i think kevin stefanski is pretty good so um they still but he they still have a job there and they still the whole thing there is getting watson to play well yeah they they, they have no other choice they have 50 million dollars guaranteed per year invested in that so Dorsey will now have to tackle that. Like that's maybe he actually would get credit for that. If Deshaun Watson returned to elite play, maybe Ken Dorsey could get right back into the head coaching circle. Saber stat for you. I'm just looking at the standings as they come back from this West Coast road trip, having picked up four out of six points. Continuing which, our misery Monday theme. Nah, it was good, right? Hey, four out of six. That's pretty good. Yeah, you're happy about that. Sabers have 48 points. They are nine points out of the final playoff spot, held by the Red Wings. That's the misery part. Yeah. Here's what I want to drive home. Where are they missing nine points? They could have got nine points against Detroit. The answer is, I mean, there's a lot of places, but I just noticed this. The Sabres and the Red Wings have played the same number of home games. Mm -hmm. If the Sabres had the Red Wings' home record, they'd be in the Red Wings' spot. It's three more wins and three more overtime losses. The Sabres at home are under 500 again, Mm -hmm. and they've put on some whopper disappointing performances at home three more wins and three more overtime games and they are in a playoff spot not to say that that's easy just what's the difference between the red wings and the sabers the red wings are winning games at home 14 8 and 4 are the red wings they're nine points behind them the nine points all home games disappointing Mm -hmm. i have a mini rant for you coming up in extendo sports yeah mini just mini is it about your uh, beloved Arsenal? No. Did I, did I see Arteta's leaving, or was that fake? That's fake. Okay. I think. You probably saw that because Klopp's leaving, and you're still... I'm you're, you're, just you're, trying you're having, to... You're having dreams. You're projecting your fears onto other other teams now. I, listen, this is going to turn into a heroic Cinderella... Not Cinderella story there in first place, but... I've I've come to terms with Klopp leaving. I'm good with it. I've watched enough, enough uh, tribute videos over the last... Uh, Three days yeah. to come to terms with it. Be a great story. He's going to go out on top. 
803-0550, Extendo Sports coming up. And uh, my mini rant. Might have to, I might have to mute a word on Twitter. That's, that's, oh. what, that's what it's going to come to. I'll tell you what it is. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. All right, Extendo Sports. We got our Super Bowl matchup February 11th, 630 Eastern. Chiefs and Niners. Again. Do we know what uniforms they're going to wear yet? Who's the home team? The Niners would be, wouldn't they? Because they had the bye? The game's going to look very similar either way. It's red against white. Yeah. Yeah, the color matchup's not great. The best color combo possible would be, though... No, I guess I would want Chiefs in all red and Niners in all white. If I could if I could be nitpicky. I mean, that's that feels like it's the same. I at least get the Niners not wearing as much red, I feel like. The... Uh... Lions whites looked good yesterday. Their new helmet's good, too. Anyway, here's my little mini rant. It's on one of your favorite words. I've got someone in my mentions, my mentions calling Baltimore frauds. Oh, all right. Uh-huh. It's the, it's the freaking AFC championship game. Frauds. Okay. I, I, I guess we can just call everybody frauds. Lions, frauds. Hmm. Whoever loses the Super Anyone Bowl. Anyone that does, isn't in the, doesn't win the Super Bowl. No. Uh. Frauds. Whoever loses that game, let me tell you, they are frauds. We're just frauding everybody now. Hmm. Everybody's a fraud. We have to be more calculated with our fraud. Uh, the Steelers are like legit frauds. Yeah, they're real frauds. Yeah, those th- that's e- a fraud. Eagles, real frauds. Yeah. Anybody else? Um, Cowboys? Um, no, no. No, I wouldn't put it on them. Like, they play games. I'm going to go back in NHL history. And the team that loses game one of every series is just a fraud from here on out. They play one <laughs> game. You play a bad game. It's a bad day to have a bad day. It just, you know, the Bills. It's crazy, the stupid sport. We do one game sample sizes. <laughs> and then everything comes out of it. Yeah. It's it's just amazing. It's amazing. All of it. It's a beautiful, wonderful sport. Okay. Lions-Chiefs would have been cool. It would have been the, I think I saw it would have been the f- first time or maybe it was the second time that two teams would have played the NFL season opener and then played the Super Bowl you you start and end the season was Seattle Denver one of those I think that was the other time it happened I remember looking this up I'll have to find it would have gone for it would have liked it poor Detroit I wanted that it would have been they wild. They filled up their stadium for a watch party. Did you see that? Yeah. Giant TVs on the field. The scoreboards had it. Massive watch party at Ford Field uh, for the Lions. Sad, sad watch party. Yeah. It was, go- it was going well for... Yeah. Man, that game. If you're a Lions fan, I mean, how, how do you feel if you're a Lions fan well, this morning? Because you've never, you've never seen this with your team before. You've never had them go this far. You've never been that close to your first ever Super Bowl. So... I mean, you still have to be happy with the season, right? No Lions yes. fan would have said no to, "Hey, you're gonna be, you're gonna miss, your season's gonna end three points away from the Super Bowl." You, you, you take it, but the way it happened has got to be excruciating. It's 13 seconds for them, probably, right? Well, it, even though Dan Campbell be. said, "Who knows if we'll be back? This might have been our best chance." They're immediately going to talk about, "All right, what do we got to do to get to win the Super Bowl?" Although Ben Johnson leaving is huge, so. Yeah. Everybody's a fraud. Everybody's frauds. Um, yeah. 
Andy Reid's fifth Super Bowl appearance, by the way. He's now third all-time. Only Belichick and Shula above him. If he goes ten more years with the Mahomes, I bet he passes him. How old is he? Reid? 67 is my guess. Andy Reid is 65. Okay. Has he got ten more years on him? I mean, there's retirement rumors every year about him. Well, there's retirement, I should say, not rumors. There's retirement conversations every year about him. I don't know that they ever graduate to rumors. Maybe that one time it was like actually out there that it could happen, and then he's like, no, it's not happening. These debate shows, it's probably sexier to debate. Is Mahomes the GOAT? Is he better than Brady? Will he pass Brady? We're going to get a lot of that. That's probably sexier. Sign me up for Andy Reid's a better coach than Bill Belichick. Ooh. He has a body of work with multiple teams, mm-hmm. multiple quarterbacks. He was successful with Al- with Alex Smith. Yep. He was successful with McNabb. Like Andy Reid has a doesn't have more Super Bowls. But where's that conversation? Michael Vick he was successful with. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I kind of like that. I'm not hearing a lot of that. I'm not hearing any of that. You're right. It's all Mahomes Brady. Yeah, what like what's his record without, without the, the Brady thing or the the Belichick thing is you can look at 170 games of Belichick coaching without Tom Brady and he's got a worse record than like Joe Philbin. And Reed if you did that same exercise, okay, what's his record without his Patrick re- Mahomes? His record, I mean, it's his record overall is 258 144 and 1. What's Mahomes win-loss record? He is I know he's fourteen and three in the, or fourteen and two in the playoffs. Mahomes is as a full time starter seventy four and twenty two. Well, it's pretty good, huh? That's so pretty good. No, oh, we're gonna make me do math here. Okay, so mm-hmm. sorry on the air two fifty eight minus seventy four. I said so one eighty six one eighty four one eighty four and one twenty two one eighty four. That's that's great. Yeah. That's great. Belichick, yeah. Belichick is like 7-9 and nine, Andy, like Andy, win percentage. Andy Reid is 62 games over 500 before wow. meeting Patrick Mahomes. How many, if he won this Super Bowl, would that be a conversation we hear? Like, does he have to get, how close does he have to get before that starts becoming like a, a real thing? That he could be the best coach of all time. Does he have to get to like four? Because two Super Bowls, no one will let him in that conversation. But if he gets to four, I wonder if he could get in it. That's it for us. Extra Point Show coming up here on WGR. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.